Hello everybody, welcome to the Golden Talkies. It's me, ya boy, Jim. It's I'm joined by my co-host. Oh, that's me. Dunkachino. Dun Dunkachino. Guess what, Jamie? What? I've been a bit poorly the last few days. Uh caught the old COVID nineteen. So... You've been a bit ill today, you say. Yeah, a bit ill today, so I'm I might be coughing a bit and I might not be able to talk as much, so I've uh, cool. brought a friend along for this special episode, Jamie. Here he is. Mm -hmm. Ross, that's when you speak. It, it's a me, uh, Ross Chino. Yeah. Yay. Wow. Yay. I didn't know you were here at all. I'm scared <laughs> and Shit. threatened. Um, yeah, when you send that email to my assistant, you know, you never know. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I've got a bit of a cough still. Um, I'm going to try and cough away from the microphone. I've also noticed that uh, I'm only hearing about half the things that Jamie says. So uh, this will be a good yeah. classic uh, uh, episode. Yeah, hopefully the internet will remain stable. But now, in the event of it dropping entirely, Ross is here to talk. So <laughs> yeah, it could be. Shall oh, I introduce fuck. the uh, motion picture we're talking about today? Uh, uh, well, yes, why don't you but give Jamie this podcast, Ross. First? Jamie will do the uh, premise, sure and then you know Ross does the Ross. Yeah, go for it. Do it, Jamie. Or, or right. Ross. The premise of this podcast is that we talk about a film that released 50 years ago this week, and it's always this week. We never delay because of sickness of one of the presenters, which would make it two weeks ago. It's this week. The film came out 50 years ago this week. What's the film, Ross? <laughs> the film is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which Yay. is objectively <coughs> the greatest adaptation of that book. And anyone who Disgusting. says it's not oh. is, is a fool it's and shoes die. Sounds like there's going to uh, be some I'm just an oppressed underclass. Fun discussions later opinions. on. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, when did the film come out, Jamie? Shall we? The film came out on June 30th, 1971, I believe. I thought it was June. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was June 28th, 1971. <laughs> big big Wikipedia says June uh, the 30th, which facts. is exactly seven days ago. Well, big I am exactly. Don't don't spoil the recording date, please. <laughs> <laughs> big big IMDb says it premiered on the twenty eighth of June. And normally we go by the premiere, but I guess if you want to go by general That's release true. this episode, right. we'll just go by general release because I, I guess I guess we got a special guest on, so we can just do whatever the fuck we cool. want. So that's fine. Not not all of us can I go think... to the premieres, unlike you, Duncan. Of course. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I was in Chicago in nineteen seventy one. It's important yeah. that when we are recording late, we go with the date that is more advantageous to us. Oh shit, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> um, especially since this episode is probably going to go up at least a day after we recorded it, yeah. given that uh, there's going to be I haven't discussed this with you, Duncan, but I don't think there's going to yeah. be another... There's not going to be another episode uh, this week. This is the one, and then we'll oh. come back. That's okay time, then. Because this could be this could be yeah. a megasode because I think Ross has some opinions about the uh, two thousand five remake, which we'll get into later. Uh, as do you and I, I'm sure, because we watched that. So, so this will just be a nice long episode with me coughing. Do you want to know a fun coincidence, uh, by the way, Duncan? What was that? June June thirtieth, nineteen seventy one was also Wednesday. It it was. True. Yeah, yeah. We. Uh, so Ross, here's a bit of trivia that we found out on this podcast, which is that uh, fifty years ago, it's always the same day of the week. Is it? Which is pretty wild. Well, yeah. well we wow. actually don't know. We don't know if that's going to continue after the leap year because we're bad at maths. But um, yeah, so yes, far we haven't bothered figuring that out. 
so far um every single day has been the same so uh exactly it must just be a little quirk anyway um fair enough, fair enough. so historical Ross, context on this podcast which i'm sure oh, you're shit. a devoted fan of okay. the first thing we do is we go into the historical context of what was going on in the world on those dates so i invite both you and the listener uh to sit back on a wild ride as i take you through the week in question does that sound kushti go for it jamie okay june 28th 1971 that was the monday uh, the creator of Scrabble was lost for words in this article, which says that uh, the National Scrabble competition was staged in London and won by Stephen Haskell, a young teacher. And he got an aggregate score of 1345 points from three games. Uh, so that's that's, quite, that's nice. quite a lot, isn't it, for Scrabble? Uh, I imagine it's quite a lot if you won the World Championship. Yeah, probably. Um uh, across across three games, of course. Yeah, uh, true, 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 true. What's the? It's like ten is the highest a single letter can be worth. So I guess you know, so. And then there's double. Is there's double words and stuff in Scrabble as well, right? So I guess it's. Mm-hmm. Is there? Surely there's something um, more exciting than the Scrabble Championship. Was there any assassinations well, or? Uh... There is. There is a certain person's birthday. I'm not sure if Jamie has this on. Uh, on... <laughs> Oh, my favourite boy. Let's just work down the list. Let's just work down the list. <laughs> so, Wait, have you got more? Uh, the US Supreme Court overturned the draft evasion conviction of Muhammad Ali. Uh, so now cool. he's no longer a criminal, uh, which good is for good for him. But I'm sure he will never be able to make a comeback having been out of the boxing way of life for so long. Uh, it simply will not happen. Uh, it would never take place in a f- boxing match with a fun rhyming name. Uh, and oh, look at this on the birthdays. My favorite human of all time, uh, Elon Musk, American ent- right. entrepreneur, was born oh, on this day. And the same day uh, that Willy famous... Wonka came out. There's a certain, <laughs> there's a certain, there's a certain sort of uh, artistry to that, isn't there? I'm sure he sees himself as that... a Willy Wonka of the modern age. Yeah. No, but, but uh, do you think? Sure but do you think Willy Wonka was born into a family that owned emerald mines, though? I'm uh, sure the accident rates at their two factories are very similar. I think he was probably born into a family that owned like chocolate mines. No, wait, it is fucking in the. <laughs> it's in the film. It's in the the second the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Or is that in the 2005 canon? one? He he goes on a colonial adventure and, and enslaves does, yeah. some some <laughs> some indigenous tribe. Yeah. It's implied that he goes on a colonial adventure in the other ones. It, it's it is, it's a quid yeah. pro quo. He 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 offers them indentured servitude in for for scraps <laughs> of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. For, for not even chocolate, cocoa beans. Just the just the raw cocoa beans. Yeah. Yes, cool. pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, well, they they didn't want to be paid in cash, Ross. Uh, they liked it better. <laughs> it's not all about cash, Elon. Wait, I guess Elon. Yeah, that's what Elon doesn't understand. Elon if Elon was Doge able to pay yeah, workers coin. Yeah. in like Tesla bucks, then they'd be really happy. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think it is a pretty much uh, Elon Musk. The more I think about it, the more I think that it's very appropriate that Elon Musk was born on the day that Willy Wonka premiered. Did but it was so good. I need to say it again. Did you hear my dig about the, the accident rates in their factories? I thought it was very clever. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Did right, you, I think we're good, on. Good. Are we currently on the I'm second on. thing of the first day of the week. Uh, on the first day of the, the third week, thing. Um, an Austrian commander of concentration camps named Franz Stangl died, uh, which, um, you know, interesting to think that people good. who ran those camps were still alive at this point. Obviously, yes, yeah. objectively good. 
uh, and a Columber and a mobster called Joseph Colombo was shot dead, uh, and I like his name. <laughs> so cool. that's that. June 29th, <laughs> Tuesday. Uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were both sentenced on a drug offence, which is fun. <laughs> oh, so like uh, like performance. Was that just not Mick like Jagger? in performance? That film, it was it... that was Mick Jagger in performance, and that yeah, film yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, very explicitly said that he was taking drugs. So yeah, you know, so this obviously caught Johnny him. Law <laughs> caught up to him. Are, are we still on Tuesday, Jimmy? This is Tuesday. Right? Yeah, you, missed, you, missed, Tuesday yeah. you missed Muhammad Ali's uh, getting getting his conviction reversed, which is the Monday. Ross, I cannot... F- okay, right, right, listener, we have this thing <laughs> where in the group chat we all share, we say that if someone misses a message and like brings it up later, not checking before, they've committed a Ross. You know, like if someone says, like, oh, it's my birthday today, I'm having a lovely time, and like four hours later, Ross says, isn't it your birthday today, X? Something like that. Now, listener, I invite you to look back in this podcast about less than ten minutes ago, where I talked about Muhammad Ali getting his conviction of the <laughs> I'm just keeping like, you on your toes, Jamie. I like the implication. I don't want this to be Ross, a pleasant experience. I like the implication that Ross signs off all his messages with a kiss. That's a lovely, uh, <laughs> lovely implication that you gave there. You'd start doing that, Ross. Right. It would, it would uh, there was a uh, in the either in the aftermath or the occurrence of the Soyuz 11 landing accident. Uh, two cosmonauts also died on this day, uh, the Tuesday. Right. Um. Yes, and on June 30th, uh, we find that the crew of the Russian space mission Soyuz 11 was found dead upon arrival on Earth, and these were the only people to have ever died in space, which I suppose is good in a way. Well, what counts uh, as space? Because I actually suppose that people died in Earth's atmosphere. Well, I suppose it was 100 kilometers up, and then beyond that, it's space, technically. That's but I suppose good. the most dangerous time is, like, re-entry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Was it not uh, Was it not one of the Apollo things had an accident? Or I guess, was that, like, was that before they got to space? There's the one it, where yeah. the teacher died, yeah. Well, that was, that, was they that, all either that blew up before shuttle, they, it? like, launched or they crashed? Like, no, they, they, right. they launched and it was pretty immediate. They, <clears> they like... Yeah, exploded. I guess, yeah, yeah that's, that's not yeah. in space, is it? That makes sense, no. cool. Yeah. But what about, what about uh, George Clooney? No, you guys just keep rushing me. I don't even know what you're talking about with George Clooney. Is I haven't seen anything about him. Gravity. You have you not seen Gravity? Oh, no, I haven't seen Gravity. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Spoiler alert. I thought then, genuinely you were going to be like, oh, George Clooney was born today. You Apparently Gravity, oh, right. was, Gravity at the time was, was lauded as this big, you know, feminist, like, oh, let's get women into space. But apparently it's had a really negative uh, uh, perception on female astronauts, apparently. Really? I, re- I read a news article about, about how it's actually harmful to female astronauts, yeah. Hmm. Why? Because she loses control, or yeah, because it, it makes her it. seem like incompetent show. or something like that. I, it was yeah, a while ago true. I read it. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and it, well, we all know that women uh, are competent. We do. Here's an event that Duncan <laughs> will be very interested in. On July right. the first, nineteen seventy-one, Britain and Argentina signed an accord about the Falkland Islands. I'm Fucking, sure Duncan. Will well, we know what we know keep... what happened there, don't we? We do. We would you like to there. say which uh, what opinion you have about this matter, Duncan, or would you prefer the sweet? Blissful blanket of anonymity. The opinion of, of what I don't think there is a, a, a another opinion you could have. The, the Falklands are quite clearly British, Jamie. And uh, wow, I I cannot believe that you are even suggesting otherwise. Okay, well that's our Argentinian user base gone. I don't. I don't they can fuck off. <laughs> uh... <laughs> 
And I think Jamie, um, it was a mil- there was a military fucking government in charge that tried to take the islands and force a bunch of young Argentinians to their death. I don't think it's anything right about that. Everyone on the Falklands is British. They had a referendum that they wanted to stay as part of it. I don't really see how there could be any other argument. All right, all right. All right. North cool. Carolina became the thirty eighth state to approve lowering <laughs> the voting age to eighteen. Ratify oh, the right. let's, amendment. Let's not even get started on that. <laughs> Duncan, maybe the yeah, one sure, person sure. who voted against... You know, it was like a 99.4% in favour of staying in the UK. Like, yeah, the, whatever yeah, it was, like yeah. 0.06%. Maybe that's the one guy who listens to Golden Talkies. Is the one yeah, guy who oh, yeah, maybe. We've got We've got 90% of our audience is in Argentina, the other 10% is in the Falklands, and it's only the one guy that voted to leave. <laughs> I talk to every listener of Golden Talkies personally. Uh, I've gotten to know all of them. Uh, we're all great friends, and we spend our time in a secret group chat where we laugh at you, Duncan. That's what we do. Ep- That's ep- the Golden Talkies fan base. Episode 26 has 520 views, so I mean, yeah, you have 520 people in this in this. Uh, this I genuinely group. think, like, Ross, if you look at that one thing, it's the only episode of ours to have gotten a comment, like, past <laughs> the first ones. So I think that's... I comment sometimes. Why. You do, you do. No, but this is a it's comment gone, about yeah. this is a bit of comment about the uh, content of the podcast. Like it's someone that's actually listened to it and yeah. picked up on something. Yeah. Some... Oh my god, it's got crazy. a dislike. I've liked it, and there's one dislike, oh, wow. and I've noticed who the dislike wow. is. I thought I YouTube didn't me, show dislikes. They were criticizing something I said. It's only on the YouTube app. On my YouTube app, oh, they've stopped wait. showing dislikes. Yeah. Uh, um, censorship. Anyway. Anyway. The state of Washington became the first to ban sex discrimination. Uh, so that's feminism clearly doing well in this time. I mean, it is doing well. It's gathering forward momentum. But uh, it's sad that it was still legal to sexually discriminate at that time. Um, and yeah, 26th Amendment ratified. Uh, Missy Elliott, the rapper, was born on this day. Um, right. I don't listen to a lot of rap music, so I don't really know her <laughs> music. But I'm sure it's good. Um didn't you like the, uh, I was going to say, they're not Munchkins, were they? Oompa Loompas. Didn't they, like, rap or something in the 2005? I wouldn't be surprised if they rapped in the 2005 Yeah, yeah, they one. rapped in the 2005 one. They do, yeah. yeah. Do they? What song do they rap in? <laughs> it's awful. In the 2005 they one. They kind of rap in the Mike TV one, maybe, they sort of rap in, I guess. Oh, it might be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have, like, little They're definitely singing in the other three. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Uh, yeah, on carry July on, 2nd, the Thursday, I think, um, the USSR performed an underground nuclear test. Uh, Wimbledon women's tennis in an all-Australian final. Yvonne Gulagong beats Margaret Court for two, the first of two Wimbledon singles titles. Hmm. Uh, nothing too interesting happens otherwise. Some people are bored, some people die, as is often the case. July 3rd, uh, John Newcomb of Australia is the winner for the Wimbledon men's tennis. And he beats the American Stan Smith from American Dad. Oh, uh, oh wow. So oh, Ross, you'll I, be pleased to know that your favorite human being, Julian Assange, was born on this day. Oh boy! Oh, is he? Is, is he like Australian, or is he? Is he just? Yeah, Australian. Okay. Well, he's born in Townsville, which is not a real place. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds made. That sounds like a. I can like one of these uh, like um, Tim Burton places. Like it's Joe Bloggs yeah. from Townsville goes on a wacky adventure. Do you think when is they got to where... Australia, just like? Oh what? shit! Sorry, I started making a I started making a joke. You can't just kept speaking. Is that not where the factory is based in the 2005 film? Is it not in Townsville? I mean, do they do they ever say where it is? 
because no, like it's interesting the, and we'll get to it it's it's nice but. the 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 for the for 1971 one it feels like timeless and like placeless because they recorded yeah. in germany with like british and american actors i was gonna say the 2000 the, sorry the 1971 one feels very specific in its place whereas the 2005 one has some vagueness 2005 uh, one it feels whoa. like kind of it's got it's like kind of northern like northern english like it's got like in a factory feel um but it's all snowy and it's just i don't know it's not as like timeless it feels yeah yeah i'm not not liking your opinion so far jamie i was gonna say uh do do you think that with townsville do you think like just after a while like british colonialists just got fed up having to keep naming new places so it's like oh there's a place in england called like sogon well it's town's not a name like so-and-so towns like town townsend is a name yeah. yeah, you think of Townsend. Well, Townsend yeah, so like... is an easy one to figure out etymologically. It's like, oh, this is the end of town. It's called Townsend. That's does Ville mean Ville town? Is literally just means town's town. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Ross is saying that Ross is saying that there's it's a certain it's a surname Townsend. Ah, so like, well, that'll mean town, like town you know, could be you know your ancestor like town, li- he you know? was Peter who lives in the Townsend. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but yeah, that, maybe, that's not this. This place isn't Townsendville. It's Townsville. Maybe, maybe there's some. Maybe there. Maybe there was some cunt called like Billy Town that went over to Australia and was like, "I need to form a village. What am I going to call it? Townsville." Because maybe maybe, maybe his last name is Billy Sville, and they were like, "Oh, let's name it Sville Town." <laughs> and they're like, "No, yeah, they're like, Townsville." Right. Yeah, I reckon that's <laughs> probably it. Um, another quite important thing happened today, which is that Jim Morrison died of heart failure at 27. Uh, oh, a poet and rocker, which is quite sad. Uh, oh, a bit like you, then. I would never die. I can't. <laughs> um, well, finally, July 4th, 1971. France performed a nuclear test. Uh, Coco the Gorilla was born in the San Francisco Zoo. Oh, cool. And that is actually interesting. Is that is that one of the like, gorillas that's been loads of films? It, no, that's the, the one that Robin Williams. The that learned, and I'm, I'm doing quotes here, learned sign language. Oh, uh, right, right, right. An experiment yeah, that was Robin not Williams a Williams was good friends with. <clears throat> is, is this, um, oh, who's the, who's the very famous uh, lady who is involved with gorillas? Uh, no. Is it the one that she's famous Jane, uh, Jane Goodall, yeah. Her. Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. I'm sure great. she met Coco at some point, but yeah. that wasn't her thing. Yeah, I think she, uh, I think there's like videos of her meeting it, but I don't think it's, uh. Yeah, I don't think it's her gorilla. Yeah, her. We, we are very aggressive about robbing Coco of its humanity here at Golden <laughs> <Yeah>. Top <Piece. laughs> You know, I wouldn't. I I don't believe that Coco could speak. Therefore, I don't believe that it could accurately tell us what gender it is. So, I'm not gonna artificially. Well, if you look at its culture, yeah. Like you're the one who took it to a gender place, Duncan. I mean, you're allowed. It's an animal. You're allowed to refer to it as it. But uh, you know. Well, let's not look at gender. Let's look at sex. Biologically, what sex was it? <laughs> Um, okay, I, mean, I think uh, that's. I, mean, I think that's a stupid distinction, but this isn't related to Charlie and the discussion. Chocolate Factory. Should, should we talk about Coco some motion pictures rather than gorilla Coco vaginas? Was considered by itself and by its handlers to be a female gorilla, uh, <laughs> and that is all that we need to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Regardless, it couldn't. The thing is that it couldn't actually communicate with them. Not really. <laughs> so we have no way of knowing. But Maybe Jamie... if we really could do sign language. We would. You saw it on. You saw it with Robin Williams rolling around and saying hi and stuff. Surely, surely it could speak, Jamie. It's a farce. Coco's taking you all for a ride. It is. <laughs> I, it is not true. I did watch a thing about that 
or listen to a podcast i think about mm. it yeah Good. cool is that the uh, right. historical context then? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, actually, I'll uh, I'll check what the number one song was. Uh, oh, Coco I got died it, in the last few years. Was... Uh, uh, Coco did die in, in a few a couple of years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, wow, the, really the number old. one song, Jamie, in the UK. Yeah. Was Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap. <laughs> that's no, not that's, real that can't be real that's stupid <laughs> yeah I, I, I believe that's a real song but it sounds like a song that's like from the 50s you know like before well, I listened to it. music was i listened to it before uh the start of this recording it does sound like it's from the 50s both in name and content but it was uk number one so uh there you go well awful taste it was also, the stranger uh, things of that time you know actually wait 70s that'd be like kind of 20 years before i suppose it's like us making yeah. period films about the 90s now yeah yeah maybe yeah mm. um get it on by yeah. t-rex was also in the top five in the uk that's a that's a certified banger nice. i would say no but you say that chirpy chirpy cheap cheap is not a certified banger. i i would banger. not i would not define it as a certified <laughs> banger no yeah cool cool very right, nice wowie right wowie Okay, let's discuss uh, our raison d'etre, uh, a film that needs no introduction, apart from the fact that this is a podcast, so I need to introduce it. Uh, so, flash your mind back to the year 1971, something I'm sure you're very unfamiliar with doing, listening to Golden Talkies. Um, we open with the Quaker Oats Company, uh, which is... You know, looking for to get into films. That's its deal. It's wanting to get into some family-friendly entertainment. Uh, wholesome, as is the Quaker Oats brand. Uh, and so, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there was some film out there that would be able to be a nice, wholesome family film and also maybe promote some sort of product that Quaker Oats could sell? You know, that would be pretty useful, wouldn't it? Be um, pretty lit, as so, you say, in 1971. Is is Quaker Oats one of these companies where it's like done loads of atrocities? Like you know Nestle and it's no. you know African. The exact opposite, actually. I think Quaker Oats has a really good reputation. Yeah, they, who are they? Yeah. Are they? Are they a conglomerate or are they owned by a conglomerate? They are owned by Quaker by Quakers, or at least they, they were founded by, by Quakers, now. and they've always kept that. They'll be owned by some. They might be owned by Nestle now, in which case I maybe take some of the stuff back. Um, no, the only. It's thing... been owned by Pepsi. It's owned by PepsiCo now. Well, do they I'm, not own I'm PepsiCo. Um, Sorry? So, the, you say they didn't do any atrocities, but did they not go to Lumpaland and, like, take all the natives out? <laughs> well, yeah, their supply or, chain is slave labour, yeah, from, yeah, from or, the or is Wonka just a, Is Wonka just a subsidiary of Quaker and therefore not... They can't be held accountable. Yeah. It's, like, so far down the chain. Um, yeah, so maybe want to look into more into Quaker Oats before I make any definitive statements. But <laughs> I, I've, I have heard that they work quite hard in terms of charities and stuff. Have they? Like, have they paid us? Have they paid us, Jamie, to talk good about them? No. Right. Fucking stop. <laughs> 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 other other right. oak brands are available. That's all we need to Anyway, say. regardless, um, the. Um, the ten-year-old daughter of the uh, director Mel Stewart uh, had read the book uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, as it was called, as I'm sure most people know, uh, and she persuaded her uh, her father to tr try to get a film made out of it. And he showed it to the producer. He showed it to the Quaker Oats, 
and convinced them, uh, despite their lack of experience in the film, to buy the rights to the book. And this way they could, you know, uh, produce a film in order to advertise the new product, which would be the Quaker Oats Wonka Bar. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Have either of you guys had a Wonka bar? Yeah. In the the 2005 one, they they tried to recreate the campaign because the the Quaker Oats campaign failed because the chocolate melted because they did the recipe wrong. But in 2005, they they made Wonka bars. And I remember having them. I was at like Hollandsea or some some island somewhere. And I had them. And I was really disappointed because it was was inferior to pre-craft Cadbury. Oh, man. Pre-craft Cadbury. Fuck. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> um, I, do you know, that's something interesting. I wonder how many, like, ad campaigns have been inspired by Willy Wonka. Because I feel like it's very common nowadays to have a campaign that's like, find X within our chocolate this. bar. Like, find, find, do you remember there was the, the other the other year there was, like, the find the white cream egg? Um, yeah. And, like, stuff what like that. What if some bloke found it and just ate it? You know, I never heard of that. I would, I would have been. I was really, do you know what I was really hoping is that they were, doing the white cream eggs like the first year is like a find one and, and you'll get whatever and then they would just release them normally the next year because they'd mm. got all the hype but they never did and yeah. i really want a white cream egg so that would, would be, be too much delicious. i think that's too too little flavor for a cream egg i feel that would just be sugar yeah you know? that's that's yeah there's a nice contrast between the milk chocolate and the whatever sugary mush is in the yeah. inside yeah have you seen there's a reddit post or something about someone who like got a cream egg and like i can't remember something's off about it i think the the inside icing's the wrong color and like he emailed in and he's like, I was wondering if I won a competition and they emailed back and like, no, I'm sorry, there's been a factory error. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what color the icing was on the inside? I don't think it was like it was suspicious. Gold. I think it was like it was gold. No, it wasn't gold. No, yeah, it was yellow. I it think could have been. It could have been yeah, just um, the yellow, just the yellow bit. The the whatever. Yeah, you probably that think it, that yeah. you won a competition for that then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like if it's blood colored, do you think it'd be wrong? But yellow, that's yeah. Yeah. Find the blood-coloured cream egg. Um, <laughs> um, find the cream egg yeah, inside. <laughs> do you think places ran these kind of campaigns, like find the X before before Charlie and Chocolate Factory became a big thing, or do you think hmm. uh, Chink Willy Wonka? Well, the uh, issue is that like it could be the idea. that they took inspiration from the book, or it could be that the book took inspiration from the sort of thing that already happened. Well, that's what I'm fucking asking, Jamie. You're not answering me. Well, You're just saying no, it no, well, either. Will it, it, Roald Dahl, his experience was... Have you ever read Boy by Roald Dahl? No. Uh, Boy. So. Yeah. Roald Dahl's a real... He's a fellow member of the Norwegian-British diaspora. Fuck he yeah. is, yeah. And uh, he uh, he went to... It's like Repton or something like that. Um, and which is... I think I think that's the one where uh, uh, Clarkson went to. And he, I, think, uh, I think I met some people from Repton once. Isn't really? that funny? And yeah. it's 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 like a, one of these old boarding schools, and uh, he his, his Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, or Charlie no the books Charlie and Chocolate Factory yeah that that was directly inspired by like, his local like yeah there's a chocolate shop and there's all these you know it was a really fun thing it's like back in the 1800s like these chocolate companies owned towns and then yeah. well, instead like, of paying their, the really their employees nice they they paid their employees in, in like in game currency sorry. Oh, so a lot of like really nice houses in like uh, England are built by the Cadbury Company, weren't they, for their workers? Yeah, they were like big philanthropist boys. Yeah, but they didn't well, really pay them money. They paid them in like Cadbury yeah. tokens that were only like 
<laughs> you could only buy Cadbury yeah. stuff. I, I say yeah. philanthropist. I mean, they built quite nice houses really close to the factory so that the workers would spend less time commuting. <laughs> that sort of philanthropy. Yeah, yeah they polished but, you know. the turd that is indentured servitude, yeah. Yeah. Alright, upon uh, reflection, I don't think I have met anyone from Repton. I think it was a different posh boarding school, so there you go. Very nice. Could be I Repton School to buy because they, they have one in Dubai. I saw that, yeah. Anyway, my suspicion is that um, those kind of campaigns came first, and I have two reasons for this, okay? Number one, yeah. uh, I don't think pre... Obviously, there were big brands at this time, but there weren't that many that would be like nationwide. So I'm a little suspicious yeah. of how many would do such mm. a thing. Uh, and secondly, I'm pretty sure I remember people... Also, Willy Wonka wasn't a very popular film for a very long time. And it sort of enjoyed a mm. revival later. So I'm assuming yeah. that it well, didn't offer, have that big a presence in the American conscience until sort of the 90s or so. Because that's when it did its second film. Yeah, especially considering the chocolate fails. Like the actual ad campaign yeah. did fail. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I would that's, also, my, that's my guess. I would also think that the uh, like computing and stuff would probably have helped a lot with the ability to run that kind of campaign because most of the most of the, yeah. the the most of the ones nowadays come with like a code. You know, it's not it's not so much that you find a white cream egg; it's that the white cream egg has like a code inside, or like if you yeah, I mean, cereal, you it's like a special one. You... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, for example, the forgery in the film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. In this film. In both versions of the film and the book, uh, somewhat strangely. Mm, but, um, mm, so, yeah, let's... I'm going to... So in terms of casting for this film, uh, we know quite famously that Gene Wilder uh, appears on the poster. Uh, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything here. And I think most people know the film exists. But apparently all six <laughs> members of Monty Python uh, wanted to, to play Wonka. Yes. Uh, so I was going to ask, uh, between the two of you, which Monty Python member do you think would have been best? Oh, man. Uh, I think you're, you're over-assuming a... my knowledge of the Monty Python members. <laughs> uh, all right, okay, I'll like... go through them. you got Graham Chapman. Graham Chapman played Arthur and Brian in the films, okay? you got John Again, Cleese, Jamie, you're massively overestimating my... Uh... Have you not seen either of those films? <laughs> yeah, I have, but like, not, not, not religiously. <laughs> well, you should know who played the main character in both of them. That's not that big an ask. I, I, that, I think, that's a really what? hard question, actually. <laughs> okay, look, Duncan, don't say anything. This is just for the listener now, not you and your weird amnesiac I don't. I don't see anything. There's Graham, Ch- there's Graham Chapman, who played the main character, Arthur, in... Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They played Brian in the Life of Brian. There's John Cleese, who is extremely famous, and you oh, definitely I know, obviously know, I know because he once guides into the bathroom. I've, yeah, exactly. There's I've met Eric Idle. Eric Idle is the one who <laughs> sings um, "Always Look on the Right Side of Life." Right. Yeah. There's Terry Gilliam. He did the animations, and he's also a very famous director. He directed Brazil and Time Bandits. Yeah. Okay. Not seen either, and there's yeah. Terry Jones. Terry Jones was the one who always played the housewives, and he plays Brian's mother in Life of Brian. Oh he's yeah, always, yeah, yeah. He's the one who cross dresses the most. And then there's Michael Palin, who now That's does Sir Michael Palin to you. He was knighted recently. Sir Michael Palin to me, yes. He's a uh, and he ro- yep. goes around on trains a lot now. It now, does. Out of, those, out, <laughs> out of the ones you remember, Duncan, which sounds like it's all of them other than Graham Chapman, which one do you think would have been the best one cut? <laughs> um, fuck, don't make me laugh. Um, I, I, can't really, I can't really see any of them. Um, I, I just think... Uh, 
what's his name? Gene Wilder, is that his name? Yeah. I think he plays yeah. it yeah. just really perfectly. Um I uh, guess I guess probably maybe Terry Jones. Maybe. I'm surprised at that answer. Interesting. It looks like I the Graham Chandler guy. Quite... If I fucking knew who he was based on his picture, I could <laughs> do it. <laughs> Never seen him in my pop, so uh, I'm not sure. I know. I know. There's one. There's one person I wouldn't choose to play Willy Wonka, and that person yeah. is Johnny Depp. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Just getting your jives in. I was going to say, I think Eric Idle would actually be quite good at it. I think he's got the right level of enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, I think he could do a lot with the role. He's quite whimsical as well. Eric That's my Idle. Other. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. I guess. But again, uh, you are, the darkness, you're though. overassuming my intake anyway, of these films. Neither, anyway, none of them were big enough names at that time, and they were considered for the roles in Tim Burton's, but obviously didn't get it, as Ross has so nicely reminded us. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eric other... Idle should have played the teacher. You know, there, there's like a knockoff Python. Oh, I fucking the yeah. loved, I loved the teacher character. Yeah. It was, that was just, fucking, um, man, this film, is, I, we've not even talked about the film yet, but it's really Yeah, we haven't good. talked about the plot yet, I'm worried that we're going to get for dark. Uh, other producers considered were Fred Astaire, sorry, other people considered by the producers were Fred Astaire, hmm? Joel Grey, who I've not heard of, um, Ron Moody, and John Pertwee, who was the third Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> was this pre-third Doctor, or, because third Doctor was in colour. Good point. It must have been... No, it must have been post for a doctor, I think, given right. the time. I'll, I'll, I'm going to check now, because you are actually making me kind of consider. Oh, no, it's during uh, oh, for during. a doctor. Oh, that makes sense, because he'd, he'd uh, be a well-known chap. Well, not Although, in America. Yeah, actually, if they I don't know why they would consider him as Doctor Who and not Monty Python if they wanted an American audience. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Um, well, I suppose, I don't know how much of Monty, how famous Monty Python was at this time, or like if its fame's just yeah. sort of increased throughout the years. So I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that no, because Mon- Monty Python wasn't time. popular in America because that's what the films were trying to do. The films were trying to, they did like a yeah. clip show film which was really unpopular, and that was them trying to break in. And then they did the actual films. Yeah, and I was, was gonna say because none of the films, none of the films had a large budgets because like the first ones all, fil- sorry, Holy Grail's just all filmed in the same location. Yeah. and I know George Harrison personally financed Life of Brian, so presumably they can't have been that popular. At the time, although maybe mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, maybe you don't anyway, know. It's true. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, Spike Milligan was who Roald Dahl wanted to play, which is quite interesting, given that uh, I didn't really know him as much of an actor, more of a writer. But I guess he is. Have you ever seen him, him on a talk just... show? He's really charismatic. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I guess maybe that's why. Yeah. But again, that's British, uh, which isn't what the American producers want. And um, Peter Sellers uh, reportedly begged Roald Dahl for the role. Wow. Uh, who I also think would yeah. probably have been quite good at it. Yeah. Anyway, let's discuss the film itself because we're clearly straining. Uh, it's a masterpiece. It well, really is it a master? It's it's a fantastic film. It's great. Uh, there's good. a few little things which annoy me, but like it's great. Right. Yeah. First, immediate note that I have written down on this film: we are open right. on a quiet town, and to me, it is immediately obvious that everyone in this stupid film is American. And that upset me. Um, I realised that it's logical, but I wasn't expecting it being only familiar. I should establish, I only uh, had watched the 2005 one before this week. Oh, where Jamie, I was watching poor this for the first time. Jamie. Oh, Jamie, you poor, um, poor, poor, poor. Well, in, in the 2005 one, you have British actors, like, the is it Freddie High something? Freddie Highmore. Yeah, yeah, it's him as a young British boy. He says the word candy. 
And a well, candy coming out of a British boy's mouth sounds wrong. It's like in, sounds, uh, anything uh, coming out of a British boy's mouth sounds wrong. Unless you're sounds wrong. An alderman. <laughs> Wait, yeah, an alderman. But <laughs> 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 a priest. That's what I was thinking. It's like I don't know if you guys have seen the Haunting of Bly Manor, but like in the Haunting yeah. of Bly Manor, you have uh, it's like Brit- young British people uh, as a boy and a girl. They instead of saying maths, they say math. Oh, I really hate And it's like, it's just it's <coughs> wrong. Well, it's wrong. It's, it's, the 2005 one, Ross, is trying to go for a vague place which is both British and American. And so, whilst it, it, I've, you've got to pick an accent, is obviously. Well, the, hu- the humour like, in the film is very British, though. It has a British feel to it. Well, regardless, which, which so like this, in that film, they. Yeah, 1971. The, the, yeah, yeah, it does. I agree. Well, it's based on a British book, but it is definitively in America. You cannot. Well, you've got the British teacher, German. you've got Tim Brooke Taylor as the man with the artificial intelligence. Um, well, there's some globetrotting, go to Germany, you go to a British nut factory, and presumably yeah. Yorkshire yeah. somewhere. Yeah, 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 look, all I'm saying is that the town Charlie and the chocolate, Charlie and the chocolate factory are in <laughs> is definitely meant to be an American town. <laughs> Whereas in the 2005 one, there's some ambiguity because everyone there speaks with a British accent, but they use American money and they say words like candy. Well, no, That's in in the 2005 one, they actually use the when Charlie finds the the note in the uh, the gutter, and in the in the 1971 one, it's a it's a coin. In the 19 in the 2005 one, it's a note, and the note is like Arabic yeah. lettering on it. Well, there you go. It's a bit more ambiguous. Right. Whereas, so we're, I'm just saying we're, worse. we're somewhere we're somewhere in Arabia. Then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just surprised. Is that, that, what, in is this that British what you call classic. that area? Is that, or is have I done a um, Oriental again? <laughs> I think it's close, but not quite the same. Okay. Uh, just pretend you're talking about Lawrence and Arabia as you are. I'm talking about the Ara- I'm talking about the Arabian Peninsula. That's what I'm talking about. Cool. Yeah. Right. First song of the film uh, is called Candyman. Candyman. Actually, Jamie, uh, Jamie you've you've yeah. skipped over a very important bit, which is the actual beginning. You're oh, way yes. you're you're way into the depths of Act One. The very beginning <laughs> is yeah, at the beginning of this podcast. You described the 2005 one as a remake, but it's it's kind of a remake, but also a separate adaption. The 2005 one remakes the beginning of the 1971 yes. one, which is the creation of chocolate. And the 1971 oh, yes. one is great because it's all the, it's actual chocolate production. It's filmed like a documentary. Yeah. 2005 one's fucking shit. It's awful. It's all these very dark and gloomy kind of cyan colored chocolate. And you see Willy Wonka place the Willy Wonka inverted quotes there, place the golden nice. tickets into the chocolate, but it's CGI gloves. Yeah, when at the beginning horrendous. of... Look, Ross, that's just 2005, baby. I don't look at these films and go, oh, they have silly haircuts, I can't get into it. And therefore I can't go... Those CGI oh, gloves. No, 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 dark, Jamie, and Jamie. They use, and they overuse CGI. Jamie, I've got you know? a lot of opinions about this because the whole magic of the first one that we're about to get into is how amazing the practical effects are. And there's no reason that 2005 mm-hmm. one could not have also used practical effects. They, they knew how shit the CGI looked. I refuse yeah. to believe that those films did not know how shit CGI looked. But no, people and the, in the 2005 true... didn't know how shit CGI looked. That was the whole problem. That's why we have to wipe that error yeah. from history. But the, the very beginning of the film, it shows a clear difference between the two. The, be- the beginning one, 1971, actually shows real-life practical creation it of does. chocolate. 2005 begins with the same sequence, just Tim Burton Horribly masturbating CGI. his style all over the screen with awful CGI. No. And then we go into the town, and then... It's... Fa- it's- 
it's a fancy. It's not about what an actual chocolate factory in the 2005 one. It's like, wow, look at this. Like it's industry, but it's also a little bit peculiar. It's it's interesting. But that's it's wrong. Intriguing. Though. The way the way that you're wrong, you're wrong, the structure Jamie. of this. The, no, 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 Jamie, you're not wrong. Tim Burton is wrong for the Tim way Burton's he structured. So yeah, sorry. The first note that I wrote down, Jamie, uh, is yeah. the Candyman can is a banger. So I okay. hope that's what you're about to say when you. Uh, started talking about I, Candyman Ken. I just find it... It's a, it is a, it's a really good song listened to in isolation. Oh, and yet as soon as you ground it go. in some sort of context, it immediately sounds incredibly strange. Oh, Jesus Christ, Jamie. You're... That's very sad. Do you know what? So, so what I've realised so far is mm. that the, <laughs> our, the three of us obviously had uh, childhoods in the same era, but clearly Ross and I were brought yes. up on Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, and Jamie was brought up on Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Charlie the Chocolate Factory. And this is fully reflected yes. in our opinions on the two films. Yeah. Well, Interestingly, J- Jamie, though, we're all objectively right, obviously. When when did you watch Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, Ross, first? Do you, do you remember? Uh, on a VHS at my grandparents' house. Yeah, same. Because like, um, I, I kind of, both yeah. of these films were like very much part of my childhood. But I remember. Yeah, because I remember. Child, I like saw him. the 2005 one. Yeah, I I liked yeah. the original one, and I remember going to see the 2005 one in cinemas as oh, a you? young boy, nice. having watched the t- 1971 one already. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, I didn't uh, go but, see but, it in cinemas, but like I definitely saw it, and just it wasn't as good. Yeah, and clearly well, Jamie. One, one interesting thing is ja- Jamie's. Jamie's opinion that he likes the song in isolation but not in the context of the film is exactly my opinion for another song in the film, which is Cheer Up Charlie. Oh. Um, which, because the, mu- the music in this film is great. The music in the film is great. And I disagree with Jamie. Okay. This song is great. It really <laughs> works. Cheer Up Candy Charlie. Candyman sounds is... like a pedophile. That's my actual opinion. I was being polite. Ross has he... crossed the line. Wait, so I'm saying think... it now. <laughs> you think the Candyman's the a Candyman's pedophile? Actually, he does. He does he sings so make gently lots of eye contact children, with children. And then he. This is yeah, a problem. He, 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 this is a problem of this day and age. Anyone who interacts with children in a positive <laughs> manner is immediately branded as a pedophile, especially if they're an adult male. And I think that's really problematic. Are, You're able to are you sad you can't smile and make eye contact with children, Duncan? I'm saying if you work in a fucking sweet shop, you're allowed to get on with children and have a little bit of banter with them. And... But you're allowed to sing to them and like give them free sweets and talk about how you'll transform their world. And yes, because you're because you're, yeah. you're a, a nice adult that can be trusted. Not everyone's fucking out to fiddle kiddies, Jamie. Like unlike you. No, Duncan. You know someone somewhere was saying this about Rolf Harris at this exact moment fifty years ago. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> Um, the, this sequence has the only... I laugh with the film, but the only time I laugh at the film uh, is there's a single shot in the Candyman song when all the children are kind of... They've got their hands to the air and they're all saying, Me! Me! And um, it's just the worst shot because all there's some of the children are smiling. The other one's like grimacing. And it's it's bizarre. It's a bizarre shot within an otherwise also, really well choreographed yeah. sequence. Yeah, he is very cavalier with the candy as well, and I just don't think that's an acceptable business model. So, Jimmy, do you think that uh, lollipop men are pedophiles because they like say hello to children on the way to school? The lollipop man says hi, how are you doing, Bucko? and like maybe asks you like if you like have a. Do you say, how, how, how are you, you doing, Blacko, Jamie? That's awful. No, Bucko. Oh, Bucko. <laughs> if oh the lollipop God. man sang a little song about how he was going to make your day beautiful and bright, then yes, I would find that weird. Right, uh, fucking. J- some Jamie. people, 
Some people just want to cheer children up, Jamie. And I didn't realise that was a fucking crime. Children should be miserable, I guess, all day. Because yeah. if, if any adult wants yes. to have a good time, they're obviously a paedophile. Jesus. Exactly. Jamie, I think that... We finally got to this. In, in the structure of the story, though, what the 2005 one gets wrong, what the 1971 one gets, is the empathy for Charlie. Because in the, you have all the children being, you know, having this... Candy, as they say, chucked at them. They're all having a, yeah. they're all, they're having a gay old time, with all yeah. this candy because they don't have any financial, you know, troubles. But Charlie can't because he's poor, and the poverty well, is really well depicted because you really feel for Charlie, especially when you have this amazing song, and then it cuts exactly. to Charlie looking in through the window. I guess I bet you the Candyman feel... charges all the. Do you know what? I don't think the Candyman is a pedophile. I think he's a clever. As Jamie would say, capitalist scum. A shrewd and he tricks man, yeah. he tricks all the, the children into like taking all the candy and he says, By the way, that'll be ten dollars. <laughs> By the way, that'll be fifteen dollars. <laughs> and then they, they pay because they're unlike Charlie, they can afford it. Fair. Yeah. You know? but I would say a difference between the two thousand five film and this film is that it's not really established beyond the presence of the song why Charlie is so obsessed with chocolate and sweets in particular. Whereas in the two thousand five one they include the story about you know how important the factory was both to his family and like how he's interested in Willy Wonka and the story with the prince and like it's much more clearly established why Willy Wonka's factory is this cool fantastical place and mysterious whereas in the original one the only reason we have to be interested in it is that no one knows who works there and that's you know know, I do I do agree I like the I do like the uh some of the history that you get in the 2005 one that is that is yeah. its one redeeming feature is is some of the like backstory you get about the factory and about the the town and stuff definitely i prefer anyway. more mysterious though like you know he in 1971 it's the whole kind of heath ledger you know joker in the dark knight you've no idea who he is which makes him that more mysterious and when it's you true. Kind of that's true peel back the curtain although you do get a satisfying emotional arc with christopher lee it's like you do lose a bit of that like you've no idea what what willy wonka is doing like what his yeah. intentions are, and the good news, of course, is that they're making a prequel with uh, Timothy. What's his name? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or burning questions. <laughs> directed yeah. by the director Paddington, though. <laughs> Timothy. What's I his mean, name? Paddington Two, of course, being the highest rated film on Letterboxd, I think, or, or IMDb, is it one of the uh, Rotten Tomato? Rotten Tomatoes, the one that's famous. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not the other two. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone gives a shit what the highest rated film on Letterboxd is. Yeah, I don't know um, why I said Letterboxd. I don't even, don't even use it. Yeah. Funny? Um, what was so, I going to say? Oh, right. Um, we're still next one. Okay. Yes. So after well the Candyman has like, established for us that sweets are quite nice and children like them, which I'm not dismissing. That is important information for this film. Oh, it's also uh, written by Sammy Davis Jr. This song, uh, hey. whose uh, whose other yeah, hit was famously uh, be stolen by Marky McFly. Sorry. He wanted well, how, to play how's... the part in this film. Uh, yeah, but they didn't let him because he, he would be yep. too famous. Yeah, so too distracting. Has has the yeah. Candy Man done anything else with his life though, or is that his one defining? If you go in his Wikipedia, that's his that's his face. It's a still from the film, I imagine. Um, I'm sure he's been in other stuff and minor roles. If you want, I could look it up on IMDb right now. But I just I'll look it up. You keep you keep going time. through the plot. All right. Now, we are, Charlie comes home, and we are introduced to this film's greatest villain, of course. He is sitting, or sl- sleeping in a bed, with four other Oh, Jimmy, people. don't do, he don't sits. do, don't, are you going to do the fucking Grandpa Joe's a villain thing from Screen Rant, or whatever? 
It's not. It might be from Scream Rant, but it's also from Reddit, and it's also something I agree with. I didn't think. I thought people were over exaggerating before I watched this film, and I'm like, actually, they do make some choices in this film which do not reflect well on Grandpa Joe, and so I want to discuss right. them. Is that okay with you? Yeah. I won't. I won't do the build up. Okay. I will just He's say. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. That this film. That this. That we are introduced to the grandparents, including Grandpa Joe. Who is the most important, and I would like to discuss for a bit. Does that satisfy? Okay, yeah. Is that BBC <laughs> neutral enough for you? It is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you whenever you try and say he's a bad guy because I All think right. he is. Grandpa okay, Joe. So Sorry, go on. Actually, Ross, you know I think you're qualified. Why don't you walk us into the Grandpa Joe's evil theory before we discuss it? Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe is not a good guy in the film. Uh, I've actually got some notes here. So obviously, there's the whole thing. He's in bed for twenty years. This family is eating cabbage water uh or drinking cabbage water i should say um every night and they're living in proper poverty the 2005 one has all this stylized very kind of cozy poverty it's still poverty (laughs) Ah, but it's tim burton masturbatory poverty 1971 the the house in this one looks a lot like a film set actually (laughs) if i'm gonna be picky 1971 (laughs) one they are living in poverty and grandpa joe's been in his bed for 20 years and then charlie gets a golden ticket and Grandpa Joe gets out of bed and says, I've got a golden ticket. Yes. And um, Have you thought, in... maybe, that given that this is a Roald Dahl film, there might be a bit of magical realism going on. And the fact that well, the only way that he's possibly been able to get out of bed is because he's so excited about the golden ticket that it's refreshed well, something actually, that he didn't have in life. But, Dun- Duncan, but, Duncan, there is a line that Grandpa Joe does say, which is, yes. uh, the, the, the mother says, oh, you've been in bed for 20 years. And then Grandpa Joe says, well, if the floors weren't so cold, which is like, Caught wow, you're a dickhead. Are you telling me that you expect an elderly man to work all day to provide for his family when he's essentially bedridden? He's, he's like that... 60 in this film. If he's been in bed for no, 20 not. years, and that's... He's not, he he's like started... 96 canonically or something. <laughs> canonically, not in this film. I don't know how old uh, Jack Alverson was was at the time of filming. He does not look 96. But, they don't, Whereas, but, but he is. And Ross, you cannot deny this. In the 2005 <laughs> version, Grandpa Joe does actually look like he might be in his 90s. Yeah. Grandpa also, Joe in the 2005 one is... Sorry, go on, Duncan. In 1971, he gets up and falls over, so clearly he's not able to walk instantly, whereas I'm pretty sure... But that's what I'm saying! In 2005... Duncan, this is, his, this is the his crux of my thing. His bum hadn't kinked in yet, because he's got, he's, got he's, got he's got a coke nail. Yeah, but I'm, I right I'm genuinely serious. Am I right in saying Duncan. that in 2005 he hops out of bed and immediately is able to dance? Yes. Whereas yes, in 1951 he gets up, falls over, takes a while to get to his feet because he's disabled. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like your your initial excuse, Duncan, was like, "Oh, it's magical realism." He's so excited, and then the 2005 one when he immediately hops out of bed, it's like, "Oh yeah, he really is just so excited that in the the spirit of the moment he's gotten up." In the 1971 one, he gets the ticket, looks at it for a bit, and nothing happens. He has a short conversation, and then when Charlie says, Hey, Grandpa Joe, would you like to come to the factory with me? He's like, I don't think I can, Charlie, but maybe I could try. And then it takes him a few attempts, so he's not being carried by the emotion of the moment at all, Duncan. It's just, he just needs to practice for a little bit, and he's able to do it. We're far removed from the initial moment of elation at this point, Duncan. It's been like a full minute. And then with a little bit of practice, is he able to walk? And he's... The uh, fact that you know, a little while later he's singing and dancing. You get me riled but, up now. The fact that it's Gra- so Grandpa difficult Joe, just shows that it's really true that he is, and and the only he he wants 
you know, to enjoy this moment so much with Charlie, his grandson, that he's able to go for a great deal of physical pain. He's unable to stand up. He falls over twice. Eventually, he gets up and he gains some sort of strength in order to do this thing that he knows that Charlie really wants because he's such a great granddad. It's got nothing to do with so he wants, anything else. <laughs> but he couldn't be motivated to do the same for his starving daughter and the rest of his family. Charlie is starving bedridden. to death for the past... He's bedridden. And he smokes a pipe! He's been smoking a pipe for the 20 years. And that's Jamie. like, if the family can't afford he bread. Up. He gives it up. He gives it up, though, for the family. Only at the beginning of the film! <laughs> he gives it up. He says, you know what? I'm not going to smoke anymore. Because... <laughs> Because <laughs> 19 years, 364 days, Grandpa Joe has been smoking, smoking a pipe, pipe using yeah. the family's food money. Right, and then what? And then he realizes the error of his ways gives up. If if anything, he's maybe, he might be a villain at the start, but he's massively redeemed throughout the film. Should we, should we talk about Grandpa Joe's arc? Because yeah. No, but, just one more thing I really yeah. want to talk about, because I know neither of you will know this. Because I, I did the extra oh. mile here, and I watched the first 10 minutes, because it was on YouTube, of Tom and Jerry and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Yeah, I didn't watch that. And it was mostly it. a very a very unexceptional experience. It's really just, you know, a retelling of the film with Tom and Jerry in it. It's yeah. mostly the same apart from Tom and Jerry are in the film. Who plays but who? One thing I noticed, uh, sorry? Who plays who? Uh, they have <laughs> no-name voice actors who to play people. It's not the same people. No, but he, uh, we're, is Tom Charlie and Jerry's Grandpa Joe, or is no, Tom... no, 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 no. Char- Charlie from the film Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on his way home meets Tom and Jerry. Oh right, and they become friends. Oh, I thought it'd be like Tom them... and Jerry live in the bucket household. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I was no. hoping it would be um, that, and then he like get dragged along, and then they get wacky hijinks. No, Char- Tom so and Jerry the same are outside film, the candy store. Into, he bumps and... into Tom and Jerry once. He bumps into Tom and Jerry once, and like they establish that they're friends, and then Charlie gives them one... He bought two loaves of bread with his salary in this version, and he gives Tom and Jerry one loaf of bread because they're starving, and they become friends. And then Tom and Jerry accompany them to the factory, but Willy Wonka doesn't like having cats in the factory, so they have to be stealthy. Um, and Slugworth chases hmm. them around a lot, and uh, the baby mouse is an Oompa Loompa. But what I was going to say... Uh-huh. Is that for the most part that film, <laughs> other than the bits of Tom and Jerry, in, is exactly the same as the original? But they right. change Grandpa Joe's line, and he no longer says that he wouldn't get up if the floor was so cold. He says that one day I'm going to get out of this bed and you know fix this bo- young boy's life um, and fix Charlie's life. And then the mother's like, "Oh, you've been saying that for 20 years, Grandpa Joe." So that means that someone who owns the rights to Willy Wonka knows that that line went too far. And they've realized, okay, that has to be changed. He, he, he's been saying for 20 years, I'm going to fix this young boy's life. But Charlie's only, like, what, eight years old? I guess. He's, he's very I, I, elderly. I mean, I, yeah. you, guys, you guys are expecting a lot from this guy. Like, he's not that he, he elderly in this film. He obviously though. wants to do something for Charlie, but he's unable to physically. And, and, and you, guys are, you guys have watched on film, Jamie, for you, you've watched three times on film the moment that he's finally able to break through the mental and physical <laughs> barrier of being stuck in bed and be able to do something for Charlie. And you guys are calling him a fucking villain for it. It's well, horrific. Okay, at, this, Duncan, Grandpa at Joe, this point in time, Jack Albertson was uh, six, 64. 64, yes. Yeah. So, oh, he's right. been in bed since 44 years old. Oh right, so they must have cast they must have cast him as the age. He's obviously playing a much older person than fucking sixty four, Jamie. He's I, meant to be I in know. His 90s. I'm just saying they cast the guy who was too young. Yeah, I think he looks pretty old. He 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 looks like he's been 
yeah, he's, he's he could be he could definitely be in somewhere. his 80s. Like, definitely. No, not 100%. at all. Do you know anyone in their 80s, Duncan, if you're going out with that opinion? That's ridiculous. Yeah, my, gra- my granddad's in his 80s, and I would say he does. He looks younger than... Well, clearly you've never fucking looked at your granddad in the eye, and you're ashamed to for some unrelated reason that I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I don't really care I, I'm to know. telling you, Jamie. People can look... Just because fucking... When you're 80, you're going to be a shriveled man doesn't mean that the rest of us are. We're, we're going to be fit and healthy, Jamie. Just like Grandpa Joe, only he's not... Duncan, next time you see your grandpa, take a he's... picture, and I guarantee you he does not look like that. It's not physically possible for someone to be above 80 or whatever and have that smooth a face. I, his face is not that smooth. Oh, should we talk about face, smooth faces? The 2005 Charlie and the, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they use a really strange... It's like Tim Burton stylization, but they physically smooth out the faces of the children artificially. Like Augustus Gloop has this weird 2005 CGI sheen Ross, in his charging face. charging ahead. Yeah, that, well, you're talking about smooth faces. <laughs> Grandpa Joe faces. has a purpose in 1971. He is adult cynicism. He constantly talks. He's self-centered. He says, what about me? He tries to get Charlie to give the everlasting gobstopper to Slugworth. But Charlie is the youthful, innocent boy who always, repeatedly throughout the film, always thinks about his family first. And he's genuine. He gives the gobstopper back to Willy Wonka against Grandpa Joe's wishes, who's trying to drag him away to drag him to Slugworth. Grandpa Joe is adult cynicism. Cool. That's end his point. Podcast. And you then... the end of the film very quickly, there. No, so, right, compare that to... We're introduced to Grandpa Joe in 2005, and he used to work for Willy Wonka. Yeah. But that doesn't pay off at all. There's no payoff to him working for Willy Wonka. He says later on when he meets Willy Wonka, well, I used to work for you. And then Willy Wonka's like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, but it's to establish Charlie's interest in the factory. Yeah, but it was... It just oh. and he also he and says do you remember me what like effect the uh shutdown of the wonka factory has had on the town as a whole because well tim burton's in a post maggie thatcher world this is before <laughs> that they don't really understand how bad it would be but i think uh, be nobody honest, ever I had to close a factory really, before then i'm not really sure about that because i think the point of the film is that um charlie is in, in specifically is in poverty like there, there's i don't really see the point of putting the whole mm. town in poverty because in in, the, in the, the original film the whole town is not in poverty because you see the other kids going True. about doing whatever i don't think i don't think the whole, there's any need for the whole town to be poverty well Just the thought. i mean i mean i think it's for the story to work obviously charlie has to be very unlucky and then he gets a lucky break and he can only seem unlucky if other people are more fortunate than him yeah. Um, but obviously, a logical thing is that if you shut down an entire factory, then there's going to be mass unemployment. And I suppose the 2005 one acknowledges that directly, whereas the 1971 one sort of ignores it. Pro- possibly for the better, because it kind of fucks with a lot of the logic. Of- Willy Wonka doesn't seem that likable if he closes the factory on a whim, and then you're reminded that like he's destroyed hundreds of families' lives by Willy doing Wonka that. isn't likable in 2005, because Johnny Depp is, is awful. Johnny, yeah. um, He's also not we, very likable. We don't really this... see any other families in the town, though, in 2005. You, there's no school to see the other children to provide a direct comparison to Charlie's poverty. But we know oh, that yeah. Charlie's impoverished, because we come from, uh, you know, the viewer brings their own experiences. A viewer can recognise that someone's poor if they're eating nothing but cabbage water. I, my, my, my big problem with Act 1 as a whole is... It is. It goes to the very structure of the film. Tim Burton blows his his load stylistically in the f- act one. He, like you constantly flash away to you know like 
you know the, the you know grandpa joe working in this very stylized place and you know the the uh, bucket household is all slanted in german expressionism act 1 of 1971 is just it's it's timeless but it's fairly normal and it lets when you go into the actual chocolate factory it's a huge uh, uh, jump and you're like wow the chocolate factory is so surreal and there isn't that in Tim Burton because everything's stylized and it, there's well, no change it, there's no impact of going to the chocolate factory I th- I, uh, but I, don't, I think you're exaggerating both how uh, stylized the 1971 one is and the Tim Burton one but anyway sticking to chronological order because <laughs> we have technically only gotten to the second scene of the film oh my God. <laughs> maybe the third <laughs> include the opening credits of something else uh, we hear the news that Willy Wonka um, who we are told you know blah 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 had a workforce closes it down because they're corporate spies no one knows who's operating the machines now no one yeah. goes in and out uh, has started a competition he's gonna put five golden tickets in five random bars of Wonka candy and send them out all around the world and uh, everybody is very keen to get them Get, get their hands on them. And we are introduced to the first of many uh, sort of comedy skits that are added to this film. Um, so this one... Uh, What's the first all one? The comedies, yeah, the comedy skits are all designed to, you know, hammer home the idea that everyone really wants a Wonka bar. And it's like this, this worldwide hype, worldwide mania. Um, they, so for this one... Sorry? They are chef's kiss, by the way, these... Uh... Yeah, they they were my least favorite part when I was younger, but they were my favorite part. Yeah, I really like recently. Yeah, Yeah, I think they're good additions. Bet you Jamie's going to say he doesn't like them. I literally just said, uh, Duncan, I said right before you said that that I like them. (laughs) I know, but I was already, I had already started saying it, so I just went with it. But yeah, and they also um, help sort of, I guess, bridge the gap tone wise in that they're quite fanciful, but still set in the real world. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so this first one's about a psychiatrist. And he's sort of talking with his patient, and his patient's like, oh, I hear God speak to me in my dreams. And the psychiatrist is like, oh, you got to ignore these things. That's not real. you got to be sane. And he's like, but he told me where the Wonka bars were. And the psychiatrist is like, oh, you, you should tell me. That's the joke. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. that I managed to sell it. Yeah, right. you, you did well. Thank you. I, I know I did well. Um, we moved to Charlie's birthday. Um, and Grandpa's, sorry, Charlie's female relatives, his mother... Also worth noting that Charlie that they decided to kill off Charlie's dad for this film. Yeah, which is, um, yeah, it doesn't really affect he, anything. He doesn't do so anything really in it. the 2005 one. Well, All he, he does is he gives him a, a little bit. bit for his yeah for the toothpaste cap, and that's it. Yeah, no, well, but, yeah, but he's he in the original is, book. Yeah, as he's well. in the book, so it's just it's interesting that they were like <laughs> they made an active choice him. to kill him. <laughs> I guess I yeah. mean it, it. It kind of works better having the family be yeah. like this one woman supporting. Yeah, well, five I, think, knives, I guess. I mean, like clearly, obviously, like it's it's strange that Charlie's poor. If like people, if he has two working parents, I mean, obviously, it's not infeasible. Yeah, but like, yeah. given that he's supposed to be like comically poor, it maybe it works a bit better if he's just got one parent who's you know boiling laundry rather than two parents who you know are are working even if they're not getting paid a lot. Uh, and it just sort of hammers in the tragedy, I guess. One one could say maybe it's the point of being a little mean, but I don't think it comes off that way. Mm. Um. Anyway, yeah. neither Grandpa Joe nor George contribute to the scarf because they're men and men don't, don't truck with yeah, that. Exactly. Men don't knit scarves. Uh, and so they uh, spend money to buy Charlie a Wonka product. 
Uh, it's a wagon wheel sort of thing. It's a circular thing filled with marshmallow. Um, and they're like, oh, this one will probably have a ticket in it, won't it? Because, you know, let's be lucky. And then Charlie opens it, and it doesn't. And it's no. all very sad. No ticket. Nope. Uh, and around this time, we find that the first ticket has been discovered by a little boy in Germany. Uh, the famous Augustus Gloop. Yep. Uh, who yeah. is snacking on a bratwurst when we get the interview with him. And it's curious up. to note that he's he's meant to represent gluttony. And, uh, yes. you know, uh, sure he would have looked fat in 1971, but now it's just like, that's a child. Which really yeah, reflects about how awful society <laughs> what, is today. Like, he's, a little, he's a bit husky, but like he's not... You wouldn't walk down the street and go, wow, what a fat child what under your breath, obviously. No. Yeah, yeah um, you wouldn't register him. He's just, you know, he's he's a little rotund, but you wouldn't shame him. You wouldn't want <laughs> no. to shame him for it. Or, you know, not his, that you would uh, shame someone who was fatter, but well, he's not unusually weighty. Is what I'm trying to say. His uh, his dad also hilariously eats a microphone in this uh, in this scene because yep. he just he just can't stop eating. You know, true. Pretty funny stuff. Yep. Do, do you want to guess uh, how tall the uh, Augustus Gloop actor is right now? Uh, right now, yeah, in, in five to nine. Yeah. Uh, Six foot twelve. <laughs> six foot twelve. Six seven. I was closer. I went. He was. He was six seven. Which is six twelve. Not real height though. That doesn't count. It is if you're just weird about it. <laughs> no, it can be six six foot feet. plus twelve inches. <laughs> six, seven, <laughs> seven foot. You can be six foot twelve. Um, I read an interview with him, which I'm wondering if you may have also seen, Ross, uh, where he's now a tax accountant or some something in Munich. Oh, that's fair uh, enough. And he says. Nobody in Germany really watched this film, so it's not popular there. So, like, even if he, like, brings up, like, oh, I was Augustus Loop, no one knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> uh, that's so, yeah, that's nice, just... though, because you, you, like, you can, if you want to be, you know, experience the fame, you can, but you're not bogged down in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's clearly gone on to live a quiet, but you, Like, you can go to Waitrose and... and not get bogged down, like, buying cabbage to make <laughs> exactly. cabbage soup. He, yeah. he's fa- he is famous enough um, that he can shop in Waitrose and survive financially, but not be bothered by people. <laughs> uh, the goal we are <laughs> all aiming for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, um, yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, you know, good actor for Augustus Gloop. I think they could have invested in a fat suit, but you know, uh, maybe. It would <laughs> I think he's weird. fat enough. I think he's fat enough, honestly. Like, I, 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 I guess for the sort of Roald Dahl stylized thing, he could be fatter, but I do think he's also yeah. fat enough, definitely. The thing is, um, like, if you're like a fat child, like, it'd be a shame to have that card around with you. That you, you, your big legacy is that you played a, a fat, gluttonous your big, child. Your big legacy, yeah. your big fat legacy. Yeah, because you, you, you surely, you'd, like, as a child, you'd be insecure. If you're a very rotund boy, you'd be insecure about that. And then having yeah. having that broadcast to several million. You know, I have I have is, always uh, thought about this. Like, how do films cast? Like, we need we need a fat person for this role. Like, we need a freakishly overweight person i guess they just do it because if you're an actor you're yeah kinda, you just say you're, you're aware yeah like you know when uh, in your, the, i mean i'm sure jonah point, hill it's just it's just funny or that, jack like, black they know you know they, they know what they're being what they're at least partly being hired i thought for, jonah hill not... really hated being called fat and he like yeah well, probably but oh, well, he, he he's he a lot like sometimes he's really skinny like in maniac and then uh and i think he is really insensitive so i don't know why you'd say that all right sorry about jack black on the other hand uh is Jack Black definitely owns it. I'm allowed to say that. Point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. This is the the scene before that. Sorry, where they first announced the tickets okay. is also the one yeah. with uh, Charlie's te- chemistry teacher. If you want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his teacher is pretty funny. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I didn't like him. You didn't like his teacher. Yeah, I didn't find it that funny. Fucking. I I, I just. It feels very kind of like they're very trying to be Python in that scene. They yeah, are. But I kind of like it felt that. a little too forced. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, I, I, I'd see that. I see it as a bit forced, but it's just like nice little like British, British seventies silly humor, you know. Yeah, but I suppose with with Python when like a character acts crazy, like there's you, there is some underlying surreal logic to it. Whereas with the teacher, it just kind of feels arbitrary. Hmm. Yeah. God's sake. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear that. It's the kneeling stool falling apart. Constantly. No, I can't hear that. Are you uh, kneeling? kneeling stool. Are you kneeling at the moment? Yeah, I did. I told. I told you guys before we started recording. I'm on a kneeling uh, chair, but I'm sitting on it normally because uh, I refuse to. Well, I'm not kneeling on it, but it's designed to have a pad. <laughs> You're sitting on a kneeling chair. Yes, I'm sitting on it normally. <laughs> does that, what, what does a kneeling chair look like? Okay, it's like a regular chair, but there's a bit. There's a sort of pad, and both seats are at an angle. So the idea is that you could kneel down and also like have your bum perched on it at the same time. Huh. It's sort of like a V shape. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm, I'm um, not visualizing this at all. <laughs> I can't even begin you to. You can look it up. Imagine what this is. Right. Like. Second <laughs> child, everyone's favorite, Veruca Salt. Yeah. Um, Yorkshire. Veruca Salt, interestingly, is British in both films. Yeah. Uh, but is upper class in the Tim Burton one and yes. clearly middle class in this one. Which but is it's, mildly um, interesting and not really of note otherwise. It's uh, Rory Kinnear whose son plays uh, what's his face in the new James Bond films. His son well, is uh, her, her dad in this. It's film. Roy Roy Kinnear who's the dad of Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear is a great uh, theatre actor. Oh, he plays, he plays Bill Tanner. That's it in uh, in the Bond films. Cool. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So she's like. And this one, her dad's a sort of all right, Veruca. Like I don't, know, I can't. Does Yorkshire. Duncan, you. It's from Yorkshire. Yorkshire, yes. Yorkshire bloke. Yorkshire bloke. Um, <laughs> well done. Who? Veruca is obviously the spoiled child. Uh, I would say really the only genuinely bad child in the entire film. Uh, we can maybe get into that later. Uh, but um, you know. Yeah. She. she She's rather unpleasant. Out- yeah, she's she deeply unpleasant. Her father has bought out loads of chocolate bars and got the entire factory working unpacking them. Uh, yeah. And has been able to give one to her. Uh, another thing, I can't remember the exact names, but it's every single pair of adults in this film, I don't know if it was in Royal Dahl's original book or if it's an invention for the film, but everyone marries someone with the female version of the Yes, it's Henry name. Henrietta uh, yeah. Uh, Salt. Salt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and obviously, famously, uh, Joe, Grandpa Joe, Grandma Josephine, Grandpa yeah. George, Grandma jo- Georgina. Um, there's other ones in this film as well. I've forgotten them. Yeah, which, you know, again, nice stylistic detail. That's not important. Thing. Yeah. Um, well, we should also mention at this point that um, Slugworth, Slugworth, uh, <laughs> Slugworth, the right, ri- the rival candy maker who originally stole a lot of Willy Wonka's secrets. Yeah. Uh, every time someone wins a golden ticket, he magically teleports right beside them using <laughs> his um, eldritch powers. Well, and... maybe. I don't know. We, we <laughs> might find out later, Jamie, how he does it. We might find out how he does it. That's a great thing. His Wikipedia thing, the guy who plays him, it's like he's best remembered for playing Hitler in like several yeah, films. Yeah, I saw that. Because I looked up, yeah. I looked up uh, like Willy Wonka cast and then there's just Hitler there like along the thing. 
So I guess yeah. that was his. I suppose thing. the thing is, like, if you, someone says, like, "Oh, you look like Hitler," then obviously that's not a compliment. But like, that is a good. There are going to be a lot of films of Hitler in them, and if you get known yeah. as the Hitler guy, if that's like, your professional paycheck, reputation, yeah. then that is so, a steady paycheck. One of the weirdest cat things I've ever seen for Hitler was uh, Robert Carlyle. I've not seen a thing that it was in, but like I was looking up a list <laughs> oh, yeah? like people that played Hitler, and I, I just don't see it at all. Robert Carlyle, you know. Did Did you see a well, picture of him wearing all the makeup though? Yeah, yeah. He just looks like a skinny, skinny Hitler. <laughs> a skinny Robert. Carlyle. He looks more like who was it? Was it Himmler that had like yeah. a similar mustache? Did Himmler have the mustache ever, or, or no? Was he just sort of... Uh, yeah, he did, he did. I, I'm looking at the pictures right now, and actually I agree with you, Duncan, it does look quite odd. Yeah, I think... I mean, I the think thing he... about Hitler is that he's been so caricatured that literally anyone can be made to look like Hitler if they have, like, the features, you know? Yeah. Like, no one... We don't really remember what he actually looks like. We, look, we know what representations of him look like. Yeah. Yeah, but um, they're all kind of... All you need is the kind of sideways comb and the tash and just to look angry, yeah. Yeah, but I think, I well, think I you need say, a fuller face. Even though he has both those things. You need a fuller face. He still looks very odd. He looks. He does yeah. look more like Himmler. I've just looked up Himmler, and it, it looks a lot more like him. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's uh, the pace. That's by the oh, way. Let's talk, let's, uh, <laughs> so from uh, Hitler so, on to uh, what's the next child? Slugworth. Uh, no. The next child is um, <laughs> Violet Beauregard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who choose gum? You know. Yeah. The issue with Violet Beauregard in both versions um, is that. And in the book, really, is that I don't think anyone other than Roald Dahl really considers chewing gum that bad. And so no. every... No, so she's a breath. feel a need to add something else to her character well, to yeah, make her it, seem worse. It, it, she kind of becomes just like Veruca, but she chews gum. Whereas, like, the yeah, the, well, the, 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 the crime that the Oompa Loompas try her for is for chewing gum. <laughs> um, yeah. But well, the, she the... disobeys him, though. Well, yeah, but that, that's but... true. Like that's not what they, like the the, yeah. the like I I agree that in the film, it's her other traits that are bad. But like the trait that is picked out is like the bad trait for her is that she chews gum. Yeah. In the book, it's very clear that like her thing is that she chews gum. That is her moral failing and why yeah. she deserves to be punished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like in in the Tim Burton one, they spin it in slightly differently, and they're like, oh, she chews gum a lot, and like she's a world champion in the book. Maybe we should make it that she's like over competitive, and that's like her yeah. issue. But then that's um, not really that unique compared to. I guess it is. It's not the. Well, same they make her like the kind of child kind of... beauty pageant esque kind of yeah. like they have like the the yeah, the mom M O M, Missy Pyle, yeah. I think, isn't it? Um, but I think. Who, uh... but I think that works a little better because, as you said, Duncan, in this one, like she's just kind of vaguely bratty, and even then, that's sort of quite a big crossover. Well, no, because her her dad's a kind of uh, uh kind of a, yeah. Kind of that's what I was gonna say. Her local... dad's the one with all the personality in the family. Yes, that's right. Her yeah. dad uh, has the the business card. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a classy, uh, slicked back, uh, car, used car salesman. Do you call him a class? Uh, do you call him classy, Jamie? I said classy. I meant to say classic, obviously. Classic, um, yeah. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. The stereotype. Yes. Um, God, this chair is uncomfortable. <laughs> so I think um, in the film it takes about an hour to get introduced to Willy Wonka, and currently we've been talking. For it an takes hour ages, yeah. Um, so we, uh, it does take I a long time. Be, but this might be the first pref- Golden Talkies episode that is longer than the film in question. Yes, it's, but um, would you would you prefer a trend for it? <laughs> would you prefer that, or in in they kind of blow their load in two thousand five? They introduce Willy Wonka fairly early. With like yeah. the Grandpa Joe flashbacks, where he's he's obscured by a lollipop, but it's like I think that's good. I think it's good like, to get a little taster. Uh, 
I mean, I prefer anyway. I prefer them waiting to do it, but I don't I don't have a massive problem yeah. with Sun Duo's yeah. five. But yeah, it's yeah, the I whole mean, Jaws I, thing. I yeah, think. it's 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 cool. Like, because yeah. watching this film back, I kept being like, "Why are they not at the factory yet?" And I was like, "Oh, they actually don't actually go to the factory to like an hour, or ten minutes in, and they're only there for the amount of time that's needed." But it, it yeah. still works and actually. The, the scarcity of revealing Wonka it is it is what they did in Jaws. It it <coughs> works. It's it effective. Is. His introduction It's not the same. Th- it's not Willy Wonka isn't that big a presence that you need to hide him. I don't <laughs> yeah, think. It's I like think Jaws. it's fine to tease him a bit. No, I think it's like it's Jaws. Not, no, it's not like in Jaws. In Jaws, you you get you're teased with the shark's presence constantly. And, yeah, you don't see the actual shark. Yes, that's the Jaws thing. But you're yeah. not like, oh, in Jaws, the shark doesn't show up at all. No, the first hour. Hear, there are several hear, scenes <laughs> where the shark is present in Jaws. Oh uh, uh, yeah, but you hear about <laughs> Willy Wonka's present for his chocolate bars and people on TV talking about him and Charlie talking about how much he wants to go and stuff. He's present. He's just not physically present. In, and he in appears. the Charlie and Chocolate Chocolate Degree, 2005, the only mention you see of Willy Wonka is completely obscured and it's <clears> being told by Grandpa Joe. You cannot tell me that that is not more similar to just showing the fin of a shark. It just ruins the whole film. The 1971 one. Jamie, you see Willy Wonka's CGI fingers in, in the introduction. With, the intro- uh, as opposed to... Jaws, where you never see any fucking animatronic. Yeah, we don't see Jaws's CGI fingers in the introduction to Jaws. No, but you see his fin constantly. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, you, you can't be like, oh, the shark doesn't show up in Jaws. Like, oh, the shark is there, you just don't see very much of it. That's the thing. Well, do you know, another you know, Spielberg monster one. film where no one shows up is Jurassic Park, and they don't turn up for a long time into that film, and you can't argue otherwise. Apart from the fact you do see their eyes and stuff right at the start, so I guess yeah. it's actually quite comparable to, uh, to both Jaws and 2005. But anyway... Aside anyway. from that, the 2005 yes. one. Right, ruins this is it around the time it. where, Ross, you can come in with your Cheer Up Charlie opinions, because this is when we get to it. Cheer Up Charlie is a great song, but it cool. does not work. The film, if, there, if, if I was to re edit this film, the, like, me as a child, I always felt they, did, they took too long getting to the factory. And I was much more forgiving at rewatching it this time. But they still do take a long time, and I would totally yeah. cut Cheer Up Charlie because that's the one mm. bit where it just lags. It, um, it's a very long, quite slow song. Yeah, and in, really in the, in the beginning, much. you you need. I think it would have worked better if you'd got rid of the song. It's a nice song, and it's interesting to note that they'd written the songs before they had a script. Mm. Oh, interesting. So that they had sense. to write the script around the songs. Hence why. Well, I suppose. Uh, Grand- all the songs are quite vague, really. Yeah, because Grandpa Joe says, I've got a golden ticket, which is clearly a song written for Charlie, but Grandpa Uh, Joe sings it. uh, Um, With one one ADR line, (laughs) with Grandpa Joe saying, we've done it, Charlie. Yeah, and then like with um, Candyman and Pure Imagination, like those are both songs that you could literally insert anywhere in this film and they would like fit, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, makes sense. Cheer up, Charlie. Nice song on a playlist, but not for this film. I didn't even really like it on that. So level, it's very interesting to know how how you know Charlie's mum is really like all the time. She's like Charlie, your dreams won't come true. She's really negative. Yeah, I know she's Plus, trying to like temper his. Like, uh, oh, Charlie, we'll, we'll cheer you up. Grandpa John, I will cheer you up. Well, that's yeah. the weird thing is yeah. that like the grandparents in this film are, I would say, irresponsibly optimistic, in that they keep saying to Charlie that he'll be fine. Whereas, you know what, in the Tim Burton one, they're a bit more pessimistic, and I think that's fine. No, one of them is pessimistic, he's a fucking cunt. Well, well they, yeah, they do but... have the, the optimistic one in 2005, the one who has no idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah like, well, no, I grandma... grapes, that one. Yeah, Grandma, grandma Georgina is senile in 2005, and she's optimistic, and Grandpa Joe is very encouraging. 
But then you've also got Grandpa George, who gets to do something in this film, and he's like the yes, more realistic, it's... negative voice. Mm. Yeah, Grandpa it's George just... has nothing to do in 1971, does he? No, no. neither does uh, Grandma. None of, the, none of the other three grandparents do really. No, I think they, they make like one there. remark. Uh, but yeah, inert. Yeah. They might. They've been dead for several years, and no one's noticed. Maybe. Um, yeah. Maybe it was like a battle yeah, royale in the bed, and that's why Grandpa Joe can get up because now he's sort of freed. Um, yeah, Grandpa Joe was... <laughs> Grandpa Joe won because he secretly still had full use of his legs. Yeah, exactly. And therefore was able to kick the others to death. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, we got our fourth ticket winner, the Mike TV. Uh, yeah. He likes westerns. Um, again, Mike TV, they always... they In both versions, they feel they need to give him a bit more personality. Yeah. Um, so he likes TV a lot in The Moral Dal, and that's sort of his thing. And this one, he still likes TV a lot, but like he very specifically likes westerns. Yeah. And he has a little cowboy hat and gun. And then in the 2005 one, they modernize it a little bit, and he's, he likes video games. He's a gamer, uh, and he like uses her. the R slur. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was quite weird to hear. It <laughs> it's quite bizarre. strange to think that only like 15 years ago, you could say that word in a family film. Yeah. Um, so fucking It's bizarre. interesting. <laughs> Mike my, my TV especially, I started to notice that like lots of the children... Like, the children are awful, apart from Charlie. Uh, apart yeah. from Augustus Gloop. But, Augustus Gloop especially highlights this, that the car- the children's flaws aren't really a reflection of the children, it's a reflection of the parenting. It Mike is. TV's yeah. parents don't discipline him. They're stuck in front of a TV. Mike TV's yeah. dad says, oh, I'm going to give him a gun when he's 12, whatever it is. Augustus Gloop, his parents don't set limits on how much he eats. Veruca Salt isn't disciplined. Uh, and likewise, uh, who, who's the other one? Uh, Violet Fire, Beauregard. Veruca Salt. She chews gum. Violet Beauregard, yeah. She chews gum. She chews gum. And for that, she deserves to that's die. That's a sin. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah well, I was going to... I mean, I, we're going to go out of order, but who cares? Everyone knows the plot of this. I think it's a bit strange, because other than Veruca Salt, I don't think any of the children really do anything are really that bad, you know? I mean, Augustus Gloop. Uh, like, pretty bad. Augustus Gloop is just a kid who eats... Chocolate a lot and food like you just to be fair, you know they, maybe as maybe as a member of the most persecuted minority in Britain officially, <laughs> uh, fat people I'm a bit more sympathetic. So no, 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 sweet, Jamie, Jamie, but... that's Mike TV in 2005. Gamers, yeah, are the yes. most persecuted minority Plus, in the world. I, I mean, I think Ross yeah. is right; it's the parents' fault. But I think to say that the kids don't do anything wrong is not true because they do. That my problem is it's that, not that they don't do anything. <laughs> my wrong. problem is that Charlie like... also does something wrong because he drinks the fucking juice and. That he's told Which not is like to. the overwhelming drink, yeah. like th- thing I get out of like um, so like Augustus Gloop's thing is that he's fat, right? And like other than that, he seems like a perfectly nice guy. Yeah, but yeah, Billy Bunker like, doesn't say don't drink from the river, no, but and then, then he, he falls does, in. Yeah. So it's but not he, like, like you know, intentionally. He, he, when they he have the one scene, like the children don't actually get much time to talk in this film. But in the one scene where like they introduce themselves to Willy Wonka, Augustus Gloop is perfectly nice to him. No, nothing's like oh, what a horrible person. Whereas like in fairness. In the 2005 one, yes. Augustus Gloop is also horrible in personality. You and... should have brought some chocolate or whatever he, whatever he says. Yeah, so yeah. Then, but, but Willy Wonka does tell him to stop drinking in the river. Like yes, he, he does. Willy, Willy, he's obviously far away. Willy, I'm not saying in the moment he, say, he says, he like, says they don't, don't do something stop, wrong. Stop, don't. Please stop. Yeah, he says it very urgently in a matter yeah. that would warn a child. Um... um <laughs> I'm but, just saying, I'm not saying like in the moment they don't do anything wrong. I'm not saying, oh, they're completely blameless throughout the entire time. I'm just saying the the big sins that they're being punished for, like Augustus Gloop, perfectly nice. Um, he's fat and like obviously you know that's considered bad. Uh, but you know as a person he's fine. Um, 
the only thing like you know let's maybe he's going to worry about his heart health in 10 years time you know but he's but Gluttony's um, Beauregard, Beauregard in this film is like a little bratty but like a normal amount like it's something like if you came across that child you'd be like oh, chewing gum is a sin jimmy chewing yeah. gum is a sin but i'm just saying like as a person as a personality she's not the most pleasant company but like she's within the bounds of like a normal child uh, and i would say the same for mike tv I'd say the only one who is uncommonly mm. bratty and unpleasant is Veruca Salt in the 1971 one. Yeah. See, um, I think I think I, apart say... from, I think apart from Violet, they all are, and even Violet is because she knows that she's not meant to eat the gum, and she just does it anyway. No, like, but she, she... Duncan, you're focusing too much on the moment. I'm saying overall, before they ever enter the factory. Yeah, but it's all about it's all they... about how they do act in the moment, Jamie. That's what the whole thing's no, about. No, it's not. It's about it's, the it's all about they the lack of discipline. coming in. They're, they're, all the defining character traits relate to bad parenting, specifically lack yeah, of discipline. Exactly. Gus's group is a glutton because he isn't disciplined. Verka exactly, Salt, yeah. her her ego isn't you know it isn't in check. She's spoiled, uh, you know. Verka Salt, yeah, they're all spoiled. Mike TV isn't disciplined, and as a result, they don't respond well to authority, and thus they don't yeah. obey Willy Wonka, and thus they get you know brutal. But Willy Wonka doesn't really happens. try to assert his authority in this film. What? No. He doesn't oh. try to assert his authority. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, no, he he is he is actively trying to weed them out. So yeah, yeah. He doesn't. Um, really... Whereas I'm just saying, in the 2005 one, to keep going to comparisons, uh, I think the script does a better job of extrapolating the supposed flaws that Royal Dal, in a slightly crazy way, assigned to the children. It does a better job of creating genuine personality flaws from mm. them that like logically flow. Mm. Does that make yeah. sense? Cool. Um, right. That's all I was saying. I was saying that most of the children are pretty nice, uh, other than Vercasolt, who's unpleasant, and then like as I say, Mike TV and like Violet are not super nice, but like you'd think, but not unusually so. You'd expect them to grow out of it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, Charlie gets a golden ticket. There's like a scandal where someone fakes it in South America, uh, and this is maybe a time to bring up that it's quite strange that three of these tickets were found in the U.S. despite the fact that they were sent out worldwide. Um, Possibly Willy Wonka has a bias. Who knows? Or maybe yeah. it's just but, chocolate you know. consumption in the US is higher, of, especially. Of well, yeah, but Duncan, children, it's been yeah. very firmly established for a series of delightful comedic skits that chocolate consumption around the world is at an all-time high right now. <laughs> True, but maybe it's just still higher there. <laughs> and into the 2005 one, they they show like Japan and they show New York City yeah. and like Marrakesh. Yeah. I think they yeah, really they the, really push the global. And, um, Beijing or Tokyo? Yeah, um, I think it's Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah, and then in this one, like, there's like China. a matte painting establishing shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God damn. It looks like a matte painting chair. Um. <clears throat> regardless, we get to the big day. Oh yeah, sorry. Charlie finds a golden Ooh. ticket. He finds a coin in the sewer. Picks it up. He buys. Are we uh, only just at the point where Charlie finds a golden ticket? Fuck me. Well, that does one. sound like we haven't gone very far. But in fairness, Duncan, you have to remember that this is halfway through the film. Because its runtime's yeah. a bit weird. It is interesting to um, note that Ch- Charlie Charlie gets blue balled out of a golden ticket like th- two times, three times. It's yeah, more we, more than two thousand five. Two thousand five, they only they only pull that trick like once. Well, the maybe. weird thing about this then, one is that Charlie is rewarded for his one act of selfishness, which is when he chooses to buy a second chocolate bar for himself rather than yeah. give no, the rest of the money to the family. No, no, he buys one for his uncle, Unky Joe. No, Grandpa. Oh, Joe, sorry, that's it. for Grandpa yeah. Joe, you're right. That's why it. Grandpa Joe gets a golden ticket because it's for him. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's his chocolate it's bar. It's in his yeah, chocolate yeah. bar, and this is legally his property. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, he didn't even have to. He didn't even have to take Charlie to the factory. You could have taken fucking Georgina if she could be bothered getting up off her arse. Yeah. No. Um, Act two. Yeah. Okay. Let's just you know, fuck it. Grandpa Joe sings the song. We've talked about the suspicious circumstances. We have. Of we it. have. Yeah. Um, it obviously is outrageous that Charlie chooses not to take uh, his mother. Again, addressed in the 2005 version. Um, another reason to have Grandpa Joe previously work at the factory is to justify that decision. Um, regardless, we're at the front gates. Um, I've been talking for quite a while. Does one of, one of you two want to take over? I know I usually do this myself, but now this um, No, Jamie, I think you're doing a great job. You, you, you have, you've detailed notes when I've only got like a kind of a blur in my head. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I started really enjoying the film from this point on, and then I stopped taking detailed notes. Whereas I was quite. Oh bored well, I before. remember this fairly vividly. The um, blur. So, so we'll see how it goes. Anyway, um, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka uh, comes out. He's got a cane. Everyone thinks he's injured. Yes, he's... And then he drops his cane, then... falls over, does a forward roll, and everyone goes, "Whoa!" Because he's not actually injured. He's fine. Yes, and Gene Wilder specifically requested that he be able to do that scene. Yeah, and he, he didn't like tell he didn't tell the actors, so some of the actors actually thought he was injured. So there's a fun, wow. fun little tidbit of information for you. Very nice. Um, um, anyway, then, yep. Johnny Wonka walks to... up to the factory. Yes. Right. Please, please. They go to the factory. Uh, there's there's some kind of surprise, <laughs> and Willy Wonka says, "Little surprise around every corner, but nothing dangerous," which we then find out is mm-hmm. not true at all. Not true. Um, yeah. They he makes Ooh, them all sign a massive waiver. Yeah, he makes all sign what? a huge fucking contract with small print, and uh, which is the, great. The slimy parents try and get him to not do it, but they all want to see the chocolate so bad that they do it. Apart from Charlie, he does ask his grandpa, and his grandpa says, "We've got nothing to lose. Let's sign it anyway," which is a really good attitude, you know. <laughs> Don't you think so? You think the reason they're so poor is that Grandpa Joe signed up with a loan shark? At one yeah. <laughs> We've got nothing to lose. Oh shit, we lost our house. <laughs> None of the grandparents' legs work because they were all broken by the mob. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a good. At this point, we should really compare the film to 2005 because mm. at 2005, they, it, it's just. Oh, it's a big disappointment. They have this big, like, you know, the flaming. Yeah, like, the, 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 like, yeah. the mannequins which go on fire, which would have been, would have been impactful <laughs> had the rest of the film not been equally stylized, like, beforehand. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then so in, in at this point in the film, they make the rooms like progressively smaller and it's really claustrophobic to really make the grandness of the big chocolate room like it really it really sells that having a nice comparison you know life is no meaning without death currency is no meaning without lack of currency having a small room really makes you know an objectively (laughs) not amazingly big room feel quite big and in 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 2005 they they do the smaller room trick for literally like one shot and yeah, it, it but doesn't in 2005, work. Ross, the contrast is between the sterile nature of the previous rooms in the factory and the more fanciful chocolate room. It's a different contrast. Yeah, chocolate but the small room, the small room sterile. trick, small room trick's really cool. It is nice. And there's just uh, something, like the there's something magic about like the the chocolate room, like Wait, being shot on film, like the colors and stuff. It just looks really nice. Yeah. It's so I think you vivid, lose. Yeah. Although, the, to be fair, I was reading up. Apparently, the Tim Burton one, most of the chocolate room was uh, like practically built. So, um, really? Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. yeah. I was surprised because it oh. looks CGI as fuck. But apparently, most of it, at least the stuff that they were interacting with, was like actually really practically built. So that's kind of cool. One thing I will give the 2005 one is that the chocolate river actually, in some shots, in some shots, not all, in yeah. some shots, does actually look like a chocolate river. Whereas yeah. in this uh, film, it does look a lot like sewage. <laughs> 
Yeah, it does. Yes, look I think like, uh, yeah. I read that the uh, a weak hot chocolate. The actor for Augustus Gloop described it as dirty, stinky water when he was uh, yeah. asked <laughs> what the chocolate river was like uh, when they were filming. So. Uh, yeah, well, apparently they tried a lot of methods to thicken it and nothing worked. So yeah, they, they put chocolate okay. powder in it. It's at one water point. brown, um, and it just didn't do anything. <laughs> so that had been disgusting. Yeah. Uh, oh. So then, anyway. as we mentioned earlier, oh. oh, go on, Ross. That's any like no. A... It's just no. It's just like the very beginning of we open up into that thing, and then the greatest, one of the greatest songs, the music in the entire oh, film shit, is yeah, great in 1971. The song which everyone knows. Uh, Give us a bit of it, of it. Pure imagination. <laughs> Come with me, and you'll see. Yeah, that one. It's pure imagination is iconic for a reason, and it's yeah. very similar. So iconic, to, you uh, can remember the name. Uh, 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 <laughs> what's the? Uh, what's the, why do birds? Why do yeah, birds suddenly yeah. appear? It's very similar to that, but it's a great song. It's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> they are quite similar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, Willy Wonka sings that song and he says that everything in the room is edible and they can eat it. So of course, there's a sort of montage of them eating it and uh, Augustus Gloop goes straight to the Chocolate River, starts eating it. Willy Wonka says, oh, d- don't eat that. And then he falls in and no one really panics yeah. much, even though he's literally but drowning. it's important to note, for this film, uh, Gene Wilder makes the interesting choice. I'm not going to say it was wrong. I think it's quite interesting and funny. But he does make the choice to have Willy Wonka only ever warn children that they're about to come to serious harm in the most like off-handed sarcastic way possible it's fucking hilarious uh, though it is actually it is the fu- what it's one of the funniest like things i've ever seen in a film i don't know why just the way that he's yeah but like, he's just like go like stop yeah. don't oh, whatever it is stop, it's like, don't it's when, uh, <laughs> yeah it's when uh, augustus's mother says like oh call for help and he's like he just sort of looks around <laughs> sarcastically. he's like back. oh yeah. help, help please please yeah it's it's, it's hilarious and then I think it's also, it's also just really funny to, like, imagine the, like, real situation of, like, a mother watching her kid drown and, like, the, the person <laughs> that's in charge be like, no, please stop. And the fact that no one else really gives a fuck, they're all like, is he, yeah. he going to be okay, like, do you think? Like, Willie, do you think he's going to be okay? Story, no, like, no, I don't think so. In, in the original story, it's, like, <coughs> states that, like, it's an accident that all the children, like, got into accidents and, like, you know... Uh, it's genuinely unfortunate. He's like, you know, he's not that bothered by it, but like, it's bad. He didn't want it to happen. And this film is like really <laughs> ambiguous as to whether or not Willy Wonka has engineered these situations on purpose. I, re- um, I really hope that Willy Wonka filtered out, um, like, like, like all the bits, like, cause like, you know, that that's all the chocolate is being mixed in that river, and a child falls in. If he sells that chocolate. Like there's he some serious health and risk. Human hands yeah, he says films. it. He says it's all yeah. gonna have to be destroyed. So, because um, I guess it yeah. comes. One, one thing I do. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, go on. No, that, that reminds me. In the 2005 one, they, I think it's um, uh, who's the actor? Someone Fox. One of the Fox actors. The guy who plays Mr. Salt. Uh, says like Fox. this seems very like choreographed, and I like that line. That's one of the only things yeah. I like about the film. Uh, the Impaluka scene. Limpalimpa's um, song, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. why don't we just introduce them now? Because they sort of come up around this point. Uh, we see the Impalimpas uh, introduce themselves, uh, yeah. answering like construction the equipment. Yeah, the film's one mystery. Um, so in the nineteen seventy one one, they make a lot of aesthetic cho- choices that are different from the book and the two thousand five film, and I would say almost universally for the better. Um, 
So I think the color of the Oompa Loompas is kept vague in the book. Uh, and here they decide to make them bright orange with green hair, uh, which has the yeah. very useful effect of sort of deracializing them. Uh, which is quite important because as we were discussing earlier, there's not a lot of good overtones to the narrative. Um, in, in 2005, and, oh, when uh, <laughs> you see Willy you see Wonka go to Loompa Land, Fight through the jungle yes. and then imprison the entire Impalupa yeah. yeah. population. Not not I against will say, their will, it, to be fair. No. But um it's a bit questionable still. So. Well the thing is, it's also not made clear in the nineteen seventy one one how Willy Wonka's paying them. And in the absence <coughs> of an explanation, you assume with money. Yeah. Whereas in the two thousand five one, and I remember that this is also mentioned explicitly in the book. But like in the 2005 one, it is made clear that he's paying them in cocoa beans, yeah, uh, rather than money. Again, because the Oompa Loompas want it that way, but uh, they still are still sus. slaves. Still a bit sus. In, um, in the 90, that from I like the mystery though of like yeah. Well, I was gonna know... say Oompa Land's quite funny when it, when you're told about it and like there's the geography teacher there saying it's not real and then yeah. Willy Wonka just ignoring him. Yeah, but when you're yeah. actually showing it, it's not a joke anymore. It's just a thing we have to go through, and it's not funny at that point. No, it's yeah. yeah that's or, definitely or the weakest bit. That's definitely the weakest the bit, I think, for me of the two thousand and five one. It's like yeah, I'd agree. Actually, seeing him go to Loompa. I also I don't like the Oompa Loompas in in the two thousand and five. Yeah, it's um, it's the guy he plays. Uh, he's in the new uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. Ray Parks, uh, isn't his name? No, Deep uh, Deep Roy, I think his name is. Deep Roy, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He plays uh, Simon Pig's yeah. uh, sidekick. Well, the thing is, the new ones are the 2005 ones are more accurate to the book, obviously, <coughs> which has them being shorter and, again, of ambiguous race. Um, yeah. But like, I think the like obviously the size things is, is just dedicated by like the effects of the time. Like, you, they're not gonna be able to CGI a bunch of people super small for an old film, particularly on that yeah. budget. Yeah. So it's just we're hiring some short people. That's the best we can do. Yeah, um, and I'm yeah. painting one. The the only thing the, I did, uh, <laughs> the only thing I did notice is that one of the short people is noticeably taller than the other ones, which is a little <laughs> bit distracting when they're supposed to be like all the same height Oompa Loompa people. Yeah. I don't know if you guys picked yeah. up on that. But no, I didn't see, but I believe it. Yeah, there's like one um, that's like a good six inches taller than like the next shortest one, and all the rest are like the same height. Which I guess I mean they're still little people, but like I don't know, it just feels a bit um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, we should probably I, move I on from uh, that much choice. About, yeah, um, exactly. Well, because they use the but, same uh, ones in all the different scenes. Yeah, which exactly. it, which it, which, like, it looks which actually like works better in the two thousand and five one because they're meant to be the same person. Whereas, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the anyway. The, the music in the two thousand and five one sucks for the it does. Loompas. No, it's so much better. No, Jamie, don't, back. Jamie, don't. It's even. So, so dated. It's, it's good. Awful. I love it. Genuinely, like it. How can you? I've got a perfect puzzle for you. It's good. They do the same song every time. I could sing the 2005 one if I didn't feel self-conscious. It's it's you know it's done by Danny Elfman, who is a certified good composer, and they are good songs, and they match the lyrics. They're they're just they're not that good. Whereas the I like how the 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 1971 one, it's like they use the same like the same song, and they just like put nice little lyrics in. It's nice. It's good. Yeah. It's better. It's way. And I don't know if they use the original lyrics, like Roald Dahl's lyrics in the new in the two thousand five one, but the music's not as good. It's, it's, it's not as consistent. It's fun. It might be fun, uh, yeah. but it's not right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, regardless, 
Uh, yeah, they sing a little next? song about Augustus Gloop being fat. Did he? Uh, and then he sucked up the and he they finished sucking him up the pipe. Uh, <laughs> oh, fucking hell, Jimmy, that's a bit forward. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> we, we Augustus's mother is sent I'll off. Well, one player isn't very minute. concerned about this. Keep talking like that. Um. And you know that's sort of that. <coughs> um, <clears throat> we move on, as I say, uh, to the boat. Uh, this is the famous <sighs> boat scene that is apparently very scary if you're a child. Uh, where they go down the tunnel and it's all surreal and Willy Wonka. Yeah, they kill a poetry. chicken, Jamie. Yeah, they kill, they a, kill chicken a chicken. Yes. In the in the film, on screen, it's quite. Uh, it's pretty graphic. Some of the stuff that's shown, and insects crawling over people's faces and stuff. It's yeah. maybe if you're a baby. It's it's a shame they didn't use at least like a wind machine or try to make it. I mean, it adds to the surrealness, the fact that like the boat itself and all the people are like still. Yeah, I kind of um, like that. It is. Yeah, it adds really to the surrealness. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, but like, cause in the two thousand five one, they make it like, oh, it's you know, we're on a CGI boat, and it's yeah. like, it's like, okay, yeah, it's That's more, fine. I guess, surface level exhilarating, but, but it doesn't. That boat is not it's CGI not in the two thousand five one. That is yeah. clearly a practical effect, Ross. Yeah, the boat is, but <laughs> they don't, they're don't going whip the... up some CGI boogie. Yeah, no, but like all the all the all the the, the you know the white rougher water kind of like you know like yeah. white water rafting currents like that sort of stuff. Yeah, and in the nineteen seventy one one, it's obviously a projection that's playing. What's your point? It no, I'm saying the, the practical the effects are better. Distinct. Practical effects are. They better. don't always look better. Sometimes they look fine, and to, to the CGI also looks fine. Practical effects. I don't think that it look... Yeah. All right, J.J. Abrams. Um, Wait, what? What? Well, you remember in Star Wars: The Force Awakens, he put a lot of emphasis on how the, the effects were going to be practical now, uh, and right. nothing about the story. Sure thing. Uh, and because they got a BB-8 and like it actually went on stage and rolled around, and everyone was like, oh, "Whoa!" Cool. But then, but but I love this. But you're saying that you like the 2005 one, but uh, Tim Burton said the same thing. He wanted to use practical as much as possible, and he did. But he reluctantly used the CGI, and you're saying that the CGI looked good. I think it looks fine in this film, yes. Right. Okay. And that you're, particular point. You're talking out your it arse. Doesn't look, the 1971 one doesn't look I that good pal. in this scene. I'm sorry. It, it's, it's fine. It looks like something you'd see at a fairground ride, and that's good. But, like, it's fine. Right. It's who not... dies next? Uh, who who doesn't die next? What I, kid... Somewhat strangely, in both in both films, and possibly the original story, Violet Beauregard, despite being the third person to get a ticket, is the second to die. Um, yeah, they go to a special room. Oh fuck! We forgot to say there's a subplot in this film where Slugworth was telling every child to bring him an everlasting gobstopper, and yeah. then he'd give them money. Yeah, because uh, you know it'll put him out. Cause oh Eric... yeah, do they get that done before they kill off Violet? Uh, I think it's the same room because like this is the one yeah, with yeah, all yeah. the inventions. That's right? the room where they find it. Um, yeah. And he gives yeah, them all one. they find the everlasting gobstopper, and he gives them all yeah, one. This... And he's like. But make Some sure really you know... fun practical effects in, in these ones. Yeah, there are, yeah. That's it, true. I, I thought you were going to say the everlasting gobstopper was a very fun practical effect, and I was about to yeah. admonish you. Like, the they're not necessarily like, good practical effects, but they're distinct, yeah. and they, they stick true. in my mind. The everlasting gobstopper is not a good practical effect to the extent that it is one at all. Um, yeah. But uh, regardless... It's a good prop, though. Uh, I mean, it doesn't look that much like a suite. That's my only complaint, even though it does look... Yeah. Like it's not the one where it's all, like, angular and... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look super yeah. comfy to put in your mouth, no. <clears throat> but you remember it. I do remember yeah, it, that's true. It looks a lot like something else, though, and I'm trying to think of what it is. Anyway, um, Violet Beauregard, as you know, uh, Willy Wonka makes some gum, and she 
takes it and tastes it and shares her experience with everyone. And Willy Wonka very, very passively tells her to stop. And she doesn't. And she turns into a blueberry. Um, yep. Which Willy Wonka knew would happen. And he did nothing yep. to stop it. So, Do you ever think there, there, there must be like, specifically like porn parodies of that scene? You'd think. I mean... There for some reason, in this one, it didn't bother me that much. But in the Tim Burton like one, kind of it reverse, looks a lot like, more There'd be like Vore? Is that... Yeah. You're thinking of inflation. Um, inflation point. Oh, okay, okay. That's uh, a little bit, yeah. But yeah. Regardless. Uh, and then in the 2005 one, they sing a catchy song. And in this one, they sing the same song again. The Lazy Fucks. And yeah, good, the good, they sing the good song again. <laughs> yeah. Um, As they then, dispose of a corpse, yeah. Uh, I think this is where we get the we get the licking the wallpaper at this point, don't we? Uh, it's designed for nursery walls, and then you know you can lick it, and it's a flavor. What fun! What whimsy! Uh, and then we you get couldn't have the... that in a post-COVID world, could you? No, you couldn't have that in a post-COVID world, or even no. a regular world. It would still be incredibly unhygienic. Actually, you had all those those fools uh, licking, you know, stuff in in grocery stores, as they say in the US, um, for TikTok <clears throat> clout. Well, Did you? So, I mean, yeah, but you fuck know. Um, yeah. And then we get to the infamous fizzy lifting drinks room, where uh, Willy Wonka has created a special kind of fizzy drink that is so carbonated that it lifts you up as well. Where is Willy Wonka and the other people when when uh, Charlie and Uncle, uh, uh, sorry, Grandpa Joe, like, where, where are they? Are they've they just, just, gone, they're, just they're gone walking to the next very room. slowly yeah. to the yeah. next room? Willy Wonka um, just assumed that Charlie's... Or maybe, you know, like, Charlie tra- yeah. and Grandpa Joe walk past, like, another type of sweet that's really cool and interesting, and we never get to see it. Uh, regardless, uh, after Willy Wonka leaves and expressly says that they haven't finished working on it, in the scene immediately after uh, a child almost died because she tasted something which Willy Wonka had said they hadn't finished working on, so they know how dangerous this is, Grandpa Joe is like, hey, let's steal some fizzy lifting drink, Charlie. Hmm. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, this is this is this is Grandpa Joe just being a bad influence on yeah, Charlie. This is though. Absolutely nothing morally redeemable about this Grandpa Joe moment. Would you agree? <clears throat> well, this scene really annoys me because my my recollection of this film before I rewatched it for this was that all the other kids had broken Willy Wonka's rules and Charlie had followed along yeah. with it, and that's why he gets given the factory. Spoiler alert. But then I was watching it, and I was like, "Wait, are they are they going to drink it?" And then they drink it, break the rules, get in a bunch of danger. Willy Wonka's very angry at them, and I'm like, "Man, yeah. they, they what's the difference between them and the other kids?" And obviously, the difference Charlie is Charlie does that the not exact same thing. Violet Beauregard does. Like in terms yeah, of moral exactly. fault, it's the same crime. Uh, exactly. It's, it's dr- the it's difference is something you're told not to. Difference but from is a business he's not like because Jamie. But from a Willy Wonka wants to give you know, his factory to a business-savvy young boy, and Charlie found a dynamic solution to get out of the business problem he was in. No, he didn't. By... Grandpa Joe did. Did he? Yeah, Grandpa Joe's uh, the one who figures out the burping. Yeah, the burping thing. But then well, I guess the difference oh, is it, it was Grandpa Joe that encouraged him to do it. Charlie, Charlie's just stealing all of Grandpa Joe's... He stole Grandpa Joe's ticket. Yeah. He's stolen <laughs> Grandpa Joe's valor and the factory from Grandpa <clears> Joe. <throat> yeah, it's true. Grandpa Joe really should be the the man. Yeah. Anyway, is this scene in the 2005 one? No, it's made up for this film. 
Because, uh, oh. like, as, as you so aptly noted, Duncan, it completely destroys the moral it message of the entire story. It destroys the moral message of the entire film. That makes sense. Well, no, no, because it, it provides that that low point at the end of the, uh, at the end of the film. Yeah, but like, it, yeah. It, Charlie loses the moral high ground, which is like the entire point of the story. Yeah, it's a point it, of it, allow, it allows being a nice. Bo- both both two thousand five and nineteen seventy one have Charlie not initially accepting the factory. In nineteen seventy one, it's Charlie's fault. In yes. 2005, it's because Willy Wonka hasn't resolved his family. He's not got a family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, but in 2005... Have you guys seen all the astroturfed memes about Vin Diesel and yeah, family? Really, it's the most really forced nice. marketing thing I've ever seen in my I life. Thought that, I think they're quite funny. Uh, oh, I don't. Regardless Jesus of Christ. their inception. Uh, We're almost two Jesus hours into Christ this me. now. I think, really? how long is Willy Wonka yeah. in the Chocolate... We must be longer than... Oh, oh we are, I the think. The film is an about... hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, We're doing two films, though. We are. Exactly. So, Vaguely. four-hour episode. Okay. Uh, yeah. Regardless. Right, what, no, what happens next? No, no, I'm going to defend the ending. Let's screw this. No, because, like, I don't know why, but both films feel the need to add some extra thing at the end. I guess because, like, the story kind of peters out if it's just... Well, you forgot about left. Michael TV. Well, uh, Michael TV... Yeah, I haven't... We're not got there yet, Ross. We're not just about talking... You, We're not you brought Baruka up the ending, about the end, Jamie. You said the end. You brought up the ending, okay, Ross. Which, which... We're talking about it now. Okay, who dies next? Uh... Who dies next? <laughs> Fuck it, we'll go in order. Okay, no, Veruca uh, Salt dies Charlie's next. flying um, egg. The eggs. They can yes. tell the difference yeah, oh, yeah. between a good egg and a bad egg. And there's a bunch of big yes. geese. And Veruca says, I want a goose because she's a little shit. She runs up to get a goose. Yeah. She's a bad egg. She goes down to shoot. She sings a song. What's your opinion on the song I Want It Now, Ross? I think it's fine. I like it. I actually yeah. I, I love all of the music in this film. Yeah. And it's a good amount of uh it's a good length, I think. Because mm. you, you so, could have had a, a cheer up Charlie where it's like a full song, but like She falls. The, the choreography's the Yeah, no, she she did she it's like the natural point where like you know, the the choreography where she goes up to the thing it feels very natural natural in yeah. the choreography of a normal dance routine and then she just falls and plummets to her yeah. death. Yeah, it's like, funny. it's it's perfect. It's, it's right. perfectly structured, I think. In are the you, original you, book and in the 2005 thing, squirrels. they have squirrels do it and they tell the difference between good and bad nuts. Yeah. Now, in credit to the 1971 one, they use geese because, like, it's a cheaper effect. They can't have hundreds of squirrels at this point. That's fine. In the other thing, they though, used real is that good and bad egg squirrels. is a pun that makes sense. Yeah. It's based on an actual phrase. Good and bad nut means no. nothing. No. Exactly. So, that, is so I, I also thought, a massive I improvement. The goose thing, I thought the goose thing would, would have been the original from the book. It was only when I read otherwise I was quite mm. surprised because I was like, yeah. <laughs> it seems to make sense. Um, yeah, they trained the squirrels. I watched a whole video about it. I, I don't know if you guys watched the same one. It sounds like you might I've have seen done. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah where they, they actually trained the squirrels to do most of the things like obviously they don't carry her down to the end but other than that it's like they actually trained them pretty cool yeah what, the 2005 one yeah 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 oh, actually I, thought, I, thought that, I was about to say not to echo ross i thought that was cgi no i'm genuinely no. surprised well, the thing is they, they do loads of weird after effects it's um yeah. you know in, like mad max fear road when like you know 90 percent of it's real and they have that one scene where it's all real stunts but they add this like big tornado and stuff same with yeah. mission impossible when they're in uh when, when they're skydiving and it's like the, tom cruise is really skydiving but they add like you know all this storm clouds and it's a luke cg 
in 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 the 2005 one there is lots of practical stuff but they put this weird cg sheen and after yeah. effects and all this stuff where you it undermines the actual practical effort behind it yes yeah, um, which is a shame because you it, you dismiss it as just oh it's another cgi effect as opposed to oh they actually trained squirrels trained 200 yeah. squirrels yeah it's yeah. pretty cool uh, uh right so she's gone oh, i think that's cool um, she's gone we move on in the bukaki mobile um, oh that's right a yeah. train is that the cream uh, machine yeah <laughs> the cream machine. i like i like um, both those terms <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's a, it's a sort of it runs on fizzy pop it spits bubbles everywhere it takes longer than it would to walk to travel a few meters and then they get off yeah is there any narrative um, like point to that scene or is it just no like... it's whimsy no. um <laughs> it's whimsical okay it's, it's, yeah it's not in the book which uh as in the 2005 one uses this opportunity to introduce the glass elevator which is actually relevant however uh, it is very rolled out but yeah i like yeah it. it's not yeah. bad um, i like the cream machine bukaki mobile a lot <laughs> um Regardless, we then go to the TV room. Yeah. Oh, where wait a minute, Mike Jamie. Oh, One no, of our characters is called TV. Mike TV. Yes. Do you think he might have something to do with this room? Or in this room? Well, I think uh, because Roldau loves children who watch television almost as much as he loves children who chew gum a lot, uh, I think that Mike TV will be fine. Yeah, probably. Uh, and he'll make it to the end with Charlie and they'll split <laughs> the factory equally. Um... <laughs> Anyway, Willy Wonka has created a device which allows them to teleport uh, chocolate, massive chocolate bars into a TV and then there'll be small chocolate bars and people can take them and eat them and he can use this to give people free samples uh, all across the country. Uh, and then yeah. Mike TV's like, oh, I like TV. Uh, this is my character flaw. And he <laughs> uses it to transport himself so he can be on TV. And now he's a tiny wee man. That's his arc. But uh, the good news, Jamie, is that kids are strong. No, not strong. They're bent, stretchy. stretchy. So he's going to be fine. They're just going to stretch him back out to his yeah. full height. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they have that weird, like, thin... It's like, you know, when you see people run over by steamrollers yeah. in old films. And there's, like, a flat <clears> man. Yeah, like, that's him at the end of the 2005 one. It is. Yeah. What, was that, what was that thing one, called? The... Was it not a book, a book or something about a, a, a flat man? <laughs> Stanley. Flat Stanley. But Stanley <laughs> Flatman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Stanley Flatman. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, Ross. I'm, I'm sure you mean Stanley, comma flat again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my lord. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a lot like Flat Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So in the 2005 one, they make the effort to show us that the children are all fine. Yeah. Uh, in this one, Willy Wonka just sort of says, and because of time and practical effects, that's just what we do with. Yeah. And to be honest, it's fine. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure there are some kids somewhere who are of... worried about what happens to Augustus Gloop, but I think you're fine. Uh, <laughs> Probably. It's a main, he's the main one where you, you, do, you do worry. Do, well, do we like, see the children at the end of, of 1971? No. I can't remember. No. Not at all. No. Willy Wonka says they're fine, and that they've made me yeah. a little wiser for the experience, very condescendingly, yeah. again. I, in 2005, um, when when all the all the children are covered in chocolate and, and rubbish, etc., yeah. it's weird there's still a crowd outside Willy Wonka's factory. I yeah. think, it, given the... And I can, like, ex- I can accept that. Like I suspend my disbelief, but if you think about it, it's like, why would they still be there? That's true. But I guess it's so impressive. They want to hear... They want to, it's like, probably it's reporters so and stuff. They they wanna, wanna yeah, they want to hear the stories, I guess. Yeah, that's um, fair. But yes, yeah, so like, in the 2005... I guess the thing is that, like, in the 2005 <clears> one, uh, Augustus and Veruca are, will be fine after a bath. 
And then, like, Violet and particularly Mike TV are permanently scarred by the experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But regardless. Regardless. Um, we get to the end of this next? film. This film we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, you know. The, the, the aesthetic of both. But I think the, the aesthetic of the 1971 Mike TV room is really cool. I really like the aesthetic in there. It's, yeah. it's basically the same in the two thousand. Yeah, and yeah, it's basically the same. I like it as well there, yeah. in the two thousand five one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we get to the end of the tour, and Willy Wonka's like, "Oh, you're the only one left. Uh, you know, well done. Um, Cheerio. You, you can see yourselves out. He's, you know, he's a bit, he's a bit brusque. Uh, but you know, he's perfectly polite. He's just, you know, he's not given the extra touch anymore, and he sort of goes into his office, which is a half room. Uh, oh, it's su- it's such a great room. It's a fantastic which, uh, room. It has been vehemently denied has any symbolism. Um, it is. <laughs> to quote what would it be set, symbolism so, for, though, Jamie? Well, Willy Wonka's mind, I think, is what you'd assume. Okay. Uh, or a state of mind. You know. Fair mm. enough. Cool. I don't think that's an un- I don't think it's an unreasonable interpretation, but it is one that has been expressly rejected by the creators of the film. Um, anyway, Grandpa Joe's like, well, oh, this ain't right. Uh, what about your lifetime supply of chocolate, Charlie? You were promised that, and you know, let's just go back and talk to Willy Wonka for a bit. Maybe he's forgotten. I don't know why he's being so rude to us. Uh, and then Willy Wonka reveals that they stole fizzy lifting drink, and so they don't get anything because they broke his rules in the contract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Grandpa Joe shouts at Willy Wonka, and he's like, "Oh, you." You've ruined a young boy's dreams, Charlie. Yeah. Let's go and yeah. sell that okay. everlasting gobstopper to Slugworth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says this aloud, quite interestingly. But, um... <laughs> yeah, he does. Regardless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, is, is Slugworth, in, in the in the kind of, in, in the canon of this film, obviously they've got Flake Slug, Slugworth. Is Slugworth yeah. a real guy who's just being, yes. in, uh, you know... Because yeah. like, the other characters This guy's him. pretending to be Slugworth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No one knows what Slugworth actually looks like, and I guess that's the strength of a free internet world. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fair, yeah. But yeah, uh, so Charlie and his his big character moment, baby, it, the 2005 one, his character moment is choosing to stay with his family uh, instead. And this one is that he's pure-hearted and returns the gobstopper. Um, and Willy Wonka says, ah, it was all a test. That's not the real Slugworth. I hired him. Uh, I hired him to... Uh, test you and offer you money for the gobstopper so I knew you were loyal and to chase away Tom and Jerry, those interfering animals. Um, uh, I hope that's his real uh, arc in Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry in the film, he is so worried about the possibility that Tom and Jerry will interrupt him and Willy Wonka's plans that he spends the entire film chasing them. And he's like the foil, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, that's that's his thing. Uh, And he has a little spiel about how he needed to make sure that Tom and Jerry didn't interfere. Uh... That that was his thing. Nice. Anyway, Charlie gets to the factory, uh, and Willy Wonka says, "You know, I hope you remember what happened to the little boy who got everything he ever wanted." Charlie, he was happily ever after, and that's the film. He lives happily ever after. He did. Now I don't know about you guys, but I think what this film was missing was a resolution to Willy Wonka's unresolved family history, not brought up in this film. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, so in a parallel dimension where we live in the world of 2005, and I'm doing this podcast in the year 2055, uh, Willy Wonka goes to Willy Wonka says that Charlie can have the factory if he abandons his family, 
and Charlie says, no, I love my family. That's my defining character trait. It's not necessarily my honesty, it's my love for my family. Uh, and I'm yeah. a bit of a blank slate character, so it doesn't really matter what's my defining trait, as long as it's something that's good. Charlie doesn't have a character really in 2005 one. He doesn't. He doesn't have moments. Or in to this prove one, himself. don't don't give him no, a pass. He, in this one, he has he has he many chocolate. moments in this film where Guys. he actually he he loves what? Wonka. He loves Wonka bars. I say he likes it, Wonka bars more in 2005. Most points in the film in the 1971 one, he just like sweets. Just, I'm just 1971 one. He has multiple opportunities to prove himself, and he does. He constantly is. Like his honesty is done earlier on when he's asked how many Wonka bars have you eaten, Charlie Bucket, and mm. he says two. Not you know he could have lied, and the guy assumes that he said two hundred, and he says no two. The guy that's honest. Freddie Highmore isn't a liar or anything. It's not like he's not established that he doesn't love his family in that film. I don't. I don't. I don't dislike Fred. Charlie in the in in the 2005. I just think he's a bit of a blank slate, more so than. I, I genuinely you know. cannot believe that you are trying to say that Freddie Highmore and Charlie is more of a blank slate than in '71 Charlie. I mean, the, neither of them are winning a charisma prize. No, no. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. I, I'll agree with that. I, I. It's just that, like, in in 1971, he has multiple moments where he's he's able to, like, you know, he's able to do an action that proves his character. If that makes sense. I like Freddie Highmore as a child actor. I think he does a good job in this. I don't really think the Night Do One Child yeah, does I mean, that well. Yeah, he has nothing really. He has and no material to really work. I really with specifically like Freddie Highmore's chemistry with Willy Wonka in the scenes where they're arguing. I don't like it when they agree. Uh, I don't think it's as good, but I like. Yeah, that scene. The scene at the end well. where it's like, I want a strawberry something with licorice, a strawberry yeah, kite with licorice. Yeah, it's just it feels so forced. It feels the very thing forced. Is, it's never really established. Why Wonka would ever respect Charlie or value? Or that his Charlie ideas. has like an imagination. Well, actually, yeah. they do Whereas, have him have well, this in, Bill's factory. Yeah. Well, I was about to say in the 1971 one, they established that Willy Wonka wants a blank slate that he can like indoctrinate. And whilst it does sound a bit weird, it does sort of explain why he might be interested in Charlie Bucket, a boy whose main skill proven is that is doing yeah. what he's told and not questioning authority. In, <laughs> but, in, you talking about indoctrination has led me to my least favorite fan theory of all time. Well, one of my least favorite fan, fan theories of all time, which is yeah. the whole thing that uh, have you ever seen Snowpiercer? I love Snowpiercer. I know I love the theory S- that it's a theme it's, a, it's actually Charlie, Charlie Bucket is actually uh, who's the guy? It's Ed. It's the, it's the guy from the Truman Show. I should know this because Truman Show is one of my favorite films. It's like Ed Ed Harris or Ed Ed H Ed Harris. Yeah. Ed Harris's film uh, character, who's who who designed the train, is actually Charlie Bucket, and that's Dude. my least favorite. People <clears throat> need to stop connecting media. It it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, it's a sick. List. Just have the film, and that's fine. Snowpiercer rules. Um, yeah, it does. And then yeah, and it it's an it's a nice little ending, and the music's yeah. great at the end as well. Uh, yes. But yeah, in the 2005 one, they go visit Christopher Lee. He's a dentist. He didn't, he and Willy Wonka didn't get along because Willy Wonka liked chocolate. He liked being a dentist. Uh, but now he remembers, and they have a wee hug, and everything's resolved. And then there is a great Charlie... shot in the 2005 one from inside the mouth, and you can see like the tongue and Christopher yeah. Lee. Oh, yeah, I really good, like yeah. that shot. It's a great shot. Mm. I like Christopher Lee a lot. I don't really like that this character arc is here, but I like Christopher Lee a lot, and therefore I sort of forgive it, because it means that Christopher Lee can be in the film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't Ooh. know. Either way, both films end. Uh, I think we've given quite extensive thoughts of Fucking the whole hell. thing. Yeah, I think uh, we've I think uh, done quite a, a lot. A certain mister is getting quite impatient. But Me? regardless... Well... Uh, possibly. 
I think I mean, we've been recording for more than two hours. <laughs> Good. Are you going to edit it down? No. No. Absolutely not. We're doing we it live. We how are. Much, how much time do you have? But I cut out my <laughs> awkward comments about my assistant earlier. No. No, um, absolutely not. How are we going to rate this film? Oh, yeah. oh, we're moving straight on to ratings. You don't want to give an overall opinion? Duncan, what do you think about Willy Wonka and Persand the Chocolate Factory? I yeah. think it's a Criterion Collection. <laughs> See, Duncan, Duncan has given a rating, Ross, despite being explicitly ordered not to. <laughs> do, you, do you have Do you have a fun gimmick? Like I give. We do this, have a gimmick rating. Would you like, like me to explain it to you? I hope just... I hope you do the five bags of popcorn from On Cinema. We don't. Well, we do have a five-point rating system, but it's not a five-star rating system. It's a very important distinction. It's a five. It's a five. Um, so. Points of purchase. No, that's not. It. Yes. Right. Five bits of advice that could be given. Okay, Ross. Lowest rating. Don't don't watch it. Okay. Avoid okay. it at all costs. Uh, yeah. Then there's watch if it's on, which is like yep. if um, you know someone else in your family or a flatmate is watching it, then you can sit down with them and you'll enjoy yourself more than if you sat staring at a wall. Yep. Um, free is stream it, which so the advice is to actively you know seek it out and stream it but don't pay money for it that's the idea it's on a service you already have yeah, yeah. four is buy it so that's like actually rent it from amazon or buy the dvd or whatever and mm. then the fifth point is to buy a criterion collection which is our shorthand for saying that you should spend extra money on it so you should buy like a really nice dvd or like merchandise or you should invest part of your personality in the film such as its goodness yeah they, they've, they've i i would i would go for the top rating but they have re- got the remastered versions and streaming. Well, we don't we really don't focus base much on the But there's no nuance. I write it five bags of popcorn. Okay. Criterion. So, so there's my arbitrary third party. someone on the street and say they should buy the Criterion Collection, the hypothetical Criterion Collection how, how, release. Things, how, how much is the Criterion Collection DVDs? In my mind, it is £20. I don't think that's actually how much they cost. I think for Criterion Collection, we normally recommend people spend £60 on the film overall. £60? Mate, oh my god. Must be a lot. Was it a, a genuine financial commitment. As is that not what we said? Is that not what we said? Jamie, when we, when we first did it? I don't remember saying that, but it's about right. This is a film that you would come back to again and again. So I think a good quality DVD or VHS would be uh, a worthy purchase. Yeah. So, so Criterion that a buy Collection. That's a buy. Buy buy a Criterion Collection. Yeah. Okay, so you're going VHS. Criterion. So that's Criterion two five collection. point rating. It's not a five star system. I'm just trying to explain it to Ross because he's new. <laughs> right. Um, come on, Jamie. I would, I would say buy it. Uh, maybe. Oh, good. I don't know. I thought you were going to say like streaming or something stupid like that. Uh, low buy, I think. Maybe not. No, no. Well, James, this is the greatest it. film of all time. Right. What about two thousand and five? What about two thousand and five? What? Two thousand and five. Stream it. Stream it so you can appreciate say, the original. I would say buy it, but a stronger buy it. I'm going to say watch if it's on, but a high watch if it's on. No. I might say no. I'm gonna yeah yeah no. I'm gonna say that. Watch, watch if it's on, but a high one. Fine, fine. Cool. You know what you right. should watch? What We've you should been... watch? Ed Sorry. Wood because Tim. Ed, it it's the same character. Willy Wonka from this is basically Johnny Depp's character from Ed Wood, which is Tim Burton's best film in my opinion, and it's, it's a much a... better film in every way. It's also Roger Ooh. Ebert's opinion. Oh really? As nice. a Roger Ebert fan, yes. Um, so Ross, usually Duncan, I'm sure doesn't want to do this this week, and I will indulge him on that. 
but usually Duncan and I would talk about what media we've been consuming the past week. As this week's special guest, would you like to talk about some films or video games or whatever you've watched or consumed in the last week? Uh, or well, more, I've more than a week. It doesn't have to be a week. I, if I go in my my Netflix, most recent thing I I watched was The Haunting of Hill House, which was one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Very nice. I've got The Big Lebowski on there. I've got oh. Us. I've been watching Loki. I uh, watched The yeah. Death of Stalin nice. the other day. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, uh, L- Loki. I'm actually I'm I'm liking Loki somewhat. Yeah, uh, I've not uh, been I've not been watching it at all. Neither have the, I, but no. I remember Disney... you were very cool on the other Marvel TV shows. The Disney, so. I, I, Disney, the other ones, they, they, the One Division started off fine. I really liked because it was fresh. It'd been a year off from Marvel stuff. It came in, it was really unique. And then they just went into Marvel people punching each other schlock. Yeah. And then yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier had some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard in my entire life, um, and it completely ruined the show for me, especially the ending of that show. Which is a shame because the themes they're talking about were really interesting. And Loki, Loki's Loki's basically like Doctor Who, but in the Marvel universe, which is yeah, good because see, I, Do- Doctor Who's been ruined by Chris Chibnall. So <laughs> yeah, I've not. I, 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 I used to like Doctor Who, but then I kind I kind of went off. I kind of went off it, but I don't know if I went off it because they changed the writer, just because I like stopped enjoying it. Have you seen any of the new Doctor Who? No, it's, it's, it's not new. I new. I, I can't remember when I last watched it. It's really, it's really cringy. Like yeah. it, the Doctor is like, there's a one with these spiders, and the Doctor is like, no, we can't use guns to kill these ones because guns are bad. Yeah, let's let them suffocate to death instead. And it's very much, it's it's very much that thing of like they're pushing towards the Americans. It's like guns yeah. are bad. You know, it's, everyone in the UK thinks that. That's a famous American <laughs> um, opinion. Yeah. <laughs> It's a famous, you know, it's like yeah. that's 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 trying to push American social commentary because, of course, they need the BBC America money. Yeah. And then, of course, they're, they, they had their season finale when they, they, you know, from 2005 up until now, the whole thing has been let's get back to Gallifrey. Let's get back to the Time Lords. They worked on that for however many seasons. Then Chris Chibnall was like, no, we're going to we're going to destroy Gallifrey. We're going to kill all the Time Lords. Time Lords don't matter. The Doctor is older than the Time. It's like, what's the point? Cool. What's the point at this point? Good. So apart yeah. from that, play buy go out there and buy Ratchet and Clank two for the PS two. Don't buy Rift Apart. Buy Ratchet and Clank two. Um, that's my cool. advice to all the people, all the nine subscribers at the moment. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. We love them, each and every one of them, especially Barry. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, fine. Uh, I think Duncan is quite keen to watch a football game. And I, 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 I like to indulge Duncan in these little. I'm more. It's more that we've just been um, recording for two hours and ten minutes. You guys not feel a bit true. like. I, I mean, you, you I need just... a fun title for this, like the, the, like the. I don't know. I have. I would just like to say that I have spoken for the most out of any of you, and I am quite tired. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. That's, regardless, that's I have one remaining job. Um, as I said, I don't think me and Duncan will record another episode this week because we're recording this on the Wednesday, uh, yeah. and it'll take time to edit, and we'll just get all out of whack. And yeah. like the film that came out this week isn't that important, yeah. but we do have a genuinely artistically important, uh, extremely controversial film uh, for the week after that, uh-huh. uh, which is Ken Russell's *The Devils*, uh, which is a famously violent and sexual and explicit film uh, that we will have to use niche streaming site Shovel- Shudder to access. Uh, cool. And it was critically reviled upon release. 
but uh, you know it has a cult following so I think that'll be a very interesting episode uh, Ken Ooh. Russell directed uh, the, the Music Lovers uh, Duncan if you remember that the one about Tarkovsky yeah I, I do uh, remember so that so it'll be yep. the return of his delightful style good well I quite like that um, so uh, that'll be good as we watch a bun- bunch of nuns be assaulted nice um, that's my favourite yep okay well cool Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, Ross, for uh, popping Joining. on the podcast. Thanks for enjoying your company. Me. Thank you. Thank Hell you. yeah. Uh, anytime, anytime at all. Cool. Uh, yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.